For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. The latest, biggest game of the season starts in four hours' time. You're at the right place to get you ready for that. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show with Dave Manuk, with Ezra Ginsberg. I'm your host, Drew Mandel, here for the next couple of hours, getting you set for this weekend's Winnipeg Jets contest, the huge matchup today in Nashville against the Predators. The Predators, of course, nipping at the heels of the Winnipeg Jets, four points behind the Jets for the final playoff spot in the Western Conference. The Predators with three games in hand. And then, of course, the Jets quickly leave Nashville and head to St. Louis to meet the Blues tomorrow evening as well. A big weekend in store, a big weekend of illegal curve illegal curve shows in store for you as well i say good morning to dave i say good morning to ezra good morning andrew it's good to see you both on this saturday the 18th of march how are you how are things in your world mr ginsburg i think they're thanks for for going to me first i wasn't sure if you were just gonna sometimes drew just throws it to both of us dave and then i kind of i'm the i'm the communications coordinator for team manuk and and team ginsburg but yeah i think (laughs) i think we're doing pretty well um recovery my W resting on Wednesday. I hope that you recovered from from cocaine bear on on Wednesday as well, Drew, because I heard that uh, it's a little bit longer maybe than some people thought. I like I honestly thought that movie would be like fifty minutes, but isn't it like an hour and a half? It's an hour and a half. I got to tell you, and I say this with complete sincerity, it's a great movie. If you know what you're going in to expect, if you know that it's that you're you're going to see a movie that's campy and it's not at all serious uh and and you know and, and exactly you know you're in the right mind frame elizabeth banks who's the i think the director of the movie does a great job you will not be disappointed if you go and see cocaine bear and i say that with complete and total sincerity it was it was a great movie uh my wife and i went we had a great time we you know didn't expect much but we were pleasantly surprised by the storyline and everything about it was so well done so you know mindel gives it two thumbs up for cocaine bear so basically it's like like raging bull casablanca and then cocaine bear is that how you would kind of rate the greatest movies of all time i i would put cocaine bear probably a little bit higher on the list um but you know as somebody my new sort of policy since the pandemic has been, you know, I don't like watching things, no matter how well they're done, that leave me feeling shitty. You know, there's some movies or some TV shows that are, the, 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 the writing is tremendous, or the cinematography is beautiful, or whatever, the acting is, is out of this world. But it might leave you feeling crummy at the end. I don't want to watch something that leaves me feeling crummy, no matter how well it's done. This is one that I laughed, I enjoyed myself and i felt great leaving the theater so in the in in the mindell scale of things that make me feel good about watching cocaine bear is high on that list 
Yeah, I felt really good after watching Murder with the Murdochs. I definitely felt really good about myself and everything like that. Obviously, I'm joking. That was a uh, an absolutely horrible situation for with a, a horrible family, pretty much. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. I want to see Cocaine Bear. Um, but yeah, let's get into the Jets here because I can tell Dave M, you know, his head might be on fire, but I think he wants to get into the, the Jets talk here. As you mentioned, boys, like, you know, just getting back to the Jets talk, like, this game coming up this afternoon is huge, but these next two games, I think, are, are absolutely huge. And, and it goes back to what we were talking about for the last week or so. The Jets control their own destiny. And I realize, like, on IllegalCurve.com, Dave, we've been posting, you know, a lot of content talking about the Jets and Predators race. Like, I'm more concerned about the Flames. And they just beat the Golden Knights 7-2. to two. And we were joking about it on, on the postgame show on Thursday night. Yeah. Like that, you know, this was going to be an overtime game or one goal game because that's all the Flames do, right? Like night after night, that's just what they do. They're in one goal games, right? So I'm more worried about the Flames, but I'm not even worried about strength of schedule and everything about that, boys. Like the Jets have to win their games. They have to win these two games. Forget about whether you think Nashville or Calgary has a better chance. I still personally think the Jets will make the playoffs. Like I think they have some work to do, but they have to take care of business this weekend, Dave, against two teams that they should definitely beat. Well, you're not going to not get up for tonight's game. I mean, it's going to feel playoffy, and and you know, obviously, the Jets in Nashville have a long history going back to the 17-18 season when that you know they played that monumental seven-game series, uh, and you know, I mean, it, it's created quite a rivalry. And even though Nashville fell off and they became sellers at today at the trade deadline this year, of course. As Ezzy and I talked about, um, I think it was the post-post game show. Did you see but- Tanner Janot's uh, knockout last night, by the way, Dave? I did not. I was yeah, busy. He, Speaking of movies, I was busy watching tough. the Dick. He can I was- score goals, but I, I forget who it was. They were playing Buffalo, I believe, yesterday, right? Yeah. And I was watching the Ezzy, I, I was busy watching The Dictator, so I didn't have a chance to. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. That sounds get- like a nice, uplifting, fun movie that <laughs> I would enjoy. Well, how could you not? It's Sasha Baron Cohen. It's hilarious. Exactly. Um... Anyways, no, the point is that, you know, Nashville, you know, they, in theory, everybody, you know, that's the funny thing, right? Oh, they sold off all their assets. Well, again, you get a lot of guys who are hungry, a lot of guys who want to earn their jobs either for with, you know, with Nashville or with another team next year. So you get guys who want to, who have heart. And what did the Jets have success with when they had seven injuries and had to make all those recalls from the Moose? You had a lot of guys with heart come into the lineup. And I mean, we saw it with the Jets, the Jets were winning Well, Nashville. And again, you need two things because, you know, it's, it's all well and good to have guys who have heart and maybe not as much talent. You also need a good goaltender. Nashville <laughs> has a good goaltender and they have guys who are playing, you know, like I said, guys who want to earn their spots. And that, that to me is, is what you're seeing from this Nashville team who, you know, even though they lost to Chicago on uh, the, the other day, the fact of the matter is that they are six, three and one in their last 10 games. And that's allowed them to creep within striking distance of Winnipeg. So yeah, if you're the jets, you need to put them out of their misery today you need to and you don't need to you need it for your own psyche you need to beat these guys like you need to have a significant win this isn't like a 2-1 you know 3-2 game I mean it could be of course but I'm saying that you know for your own perspective I think you need to like handle Nashville and you need Connor Hellebuck to be Connor Hellebuck and we don't know uh, someone in the chat and I'll just tell you what we know they asked about Pierre-Luc Dubois Pierre-Luc Dubois is a game time decision he is on the trip he did take the skate with the team, he was the second line center, first line center. Again, that doesn't really matter. But the point is, he did take the line rushes, uh, you know, alongside Blake Wheeler. So th- there is an expectation he's going to play. But you know, he did that as well on Thursday, first. and we didn't, of course, see him. But what Rick Bonus said was, it wasn't he wasn't a game time decision. 
on Thursday. Rick Bowen is right after the morning skate said he's not playing tonight. So we'll see. I mean, that, 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 that is a classic Rick bonus. We'll see as to the status of, of Pierre-Luc Dubois, but he's, he is integral. And he did say, you know, and I've got his quote on the website, illegalcurve.com, but Rick bonus basically said, we'll leave it up to him. But he was asked uh, by Kelly Moore of CGOB, whether if this was a playoff game, which it kind of is, would Pierre-Luc Dubois be playing? And he said, Probably or something. Well, here's the lines. here's the exact quote. Uh, while you mentioned it, because Cur- courtesy I found, of courtesy of well, I'm reading it in the, I got it off of illegalcurve.com. Uh, you know, I found the quote a little bit interesting, and let me just read it first. Uh, as long as he's close and feels he can help the team, then he'll play. Bonus said, if he feels he's a hundred percent or close enough that he cannot only play the game but finish the game and make a contribution, then we'll certainly let him play. That call is going to be made by him, not by us. Th- that last line, mm-hmm. I don't know, just piqued my interest a little bit. And I'm not saying that there's anything else here that's sinister or anything, but I just found that last line. Dun, dun, dun. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Law and Order theme song, boom, boom. But yeah. that last, the last sentence in that quote just sort of raised my eyebrows a little bit. Now, I don't know if I'm reading more into it than there's actually is there, but I found Mm. that last line to be just a little bit odd, you know, given all the sentences before it. And that just could very well be me. Well, they need Dubois regardless, right? Like they need Dubois back. And you're right, Drew, this, I mean, you want to talk about mysterious, like the Sam Gagne situation was also mysterious because we thought he was just a healthy scratch. We had no idea. And I'm I'm not saying there's a conspiracy. Double hip surgery all of a sudden. Well, well, exactly. That's the thing. Like nobody, when it it was announced, when Dave posted it on illegalcurve.com and it said Gagne out for the season, I was like, I didn't know he was injured. Like I thought he might be banged up a little bit, but I I don't think anybody thought he was going to be done for the season. And obviously Gagne is your 13th, 14th forward, but still, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, I think would come in handy down the stretch, to be honest. I also think, you know, we should talk about Axel Janssen Fialbi again because, you know, he had a goal and an assist against Edmonton. I forget if that was in Winnipeg or in Edmonton. But, you know, I, I could see him going in for one of these games. But again, getting back to Dubois, like you want him up the middle. And the thing with the Nashville Predators is I think four of their last five games, they've scored two goals or less. Like they, I know they beat the, the Ducks 5-4 in overtime. But this, this Predators team, like, yeah, you've still got Roman Yossi. You've yeah. still got Matt Duchesne. You've still got Philip Forsberg. I think all of those guys are healthy still. But after that, I mean, uh, Tommy Novak is a guy, Dave, who's on fire lately. I think he's got five or six points in his last three games. But this Predators team is completely depleted, right? Like, yeah. we, we went over all the names of the guys that have been shipped out, right? So they're still a really good defensive team, though. But if the Jets are able to score a couple goals early in the first period, I mean, you know that there's a really good chance they're going to win because this Predators team just doesn't have a lot when it when it comes to, to goal scoring right now. So I, I I think the Jets are going to win this game. I think they're going to win against St. Louis. And look at they 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 came up big last time. They had a back to back situation and, and they needed to win games. And we didn't think they were going to win those games, right? So the, regardless of Dubois in the lineup or you know regardless if there's any personnel changes for these two games, they got to win these. Like. Mm-hmm. We joked on illegalcurve.com that, you know, it was the second, you know, biggest game of the year or the next biggest game of the year. But the fact is that you lost your last two games and you have to pick up four points. Nothing but four points to me is accept- acceptable here. Even three points isn't going to cut it. Well, and you, you talk about Nashville, Ezzy, and so you, to your point about their goal scoring struggles, one goal against Arizona, uh, two goals against the Kings, but one of those came in a shootout. So that doesn't come. Right. It doesn't count. They exploded for uh, five goals against the Ducks. 
two goals against the Red Wings, one goal against the Blackhawks. So goal scoring has been hard for them to come by, but it's also been hard for the Jets to come by. But the Jets also have to, you know, they haven't played poorly. The results haven't been great this week. You know, you know, obviously the results last weekend were good, but, you know, Tuesday they didn't play poorly, but self-inflicted errors. They didn't play poorly against Boston. Boston's just, I mean, you, you know, Boston just is, is such a juggernaut and, and is so, it's so difficult to beat Boston. And, really I is. mean, you know, it really is. Like everything... they, they make so few mistakes. Yeah. They, they played really well. And it's funny because, you know, a, a lot of fans, and sometimes we joke about, like, going back to when Paul Maurice would say, you know, we had a, one of our best games of the year, but they lost. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would say that it was one of the best games of the year or, you know, their effort was A-plus or anything like that, but they had a lot of chances, like Kyle Connor specifically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was believable, right? So I agree with you. I mean, they played really well against the Bruins. They played really well against the Hurricanes. If they play anything close to that, they should beat both of these teams because these teams aren't very good. They, 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 you know, to your point, you know, look at the schedule. I mean, you know, as more than just this weekend, this is the next from here till the end of the March, the next seven games, six of those seven are against non playoff teams, Dave. I mean, these are the games that the Jets, this is the run the Jets need to go on. The schedule gets a little bit harder in April. It doesn't get impossible. Mm-hmm. I mean, but if, if you want to, affirm yourself as a playoff team which is something that the jets were you know are still a playoff team and were comfortably in a playoff spot you know until this until the really the the calendar flipped to 2023 and the results have now been pretty middling the schedule right now the next seven games there's no reason why you shouldn't win at least six of those seven you should get 12 out of your next 14 points at a minimum, if you're playing the right way, because you have more talent than your opponents for the next for the rest of the month. You know, against Nashville, you're more talented. St. Louis, you're more talented. Arizona, you know, Anaheim, the Kings, fine. The Kings that Arizona's is unpredictable. That's the thing. We were talking about that on Thursday night. You're hundred percent right. Arizona's bad, but it's like because it's almost like because they're so bad, like they catch teams by surprise well, and they've been winning games lately, but you're right, Drew. I mean, all just can't underestimate anybody though. I mean, they're not in a position, exactly. Dave, where they, where they can underestimate yeah. anyone. And the schedule isn't difficult. You got to, I mean, besides this weekend, there's no back-to-backs. There's no back-to-backs on the, uh, on the California road trip, which is rare. Mm-hmm. You got to, you know, you have time to bank, you know, 12 out of 14 points, 13 out of 14 points. You just have to play the right way. And I'm not that confident that this Jets team you know, despite showing signs of playing the right way, truly knows how to play the right way against lower competition. Well, I mean, I, I think they've been they've been good. They've possessed the puck a lot. They've they, it's not as if they're having these terrible right. stretches of games. I, like again, you if you look at most of these hockey games, they've been good. They now they, you were right, Drew. They've had some mistakes that have ended up in the back of their net, and they are going to have to tighten that up. But I think that if they play this game, these types of games against the Nashvilles, against the St. Louises. More often than not, they're going to win those hockey games. Now, look, puck luck is not in the Jets' favor right now. I joke that Kyle Connor may want to start sacrificing chickens in order to uh, break <laughs> major, whatever. Major league style. Yeah, exactly. Whatever curse is, is currently afflicting him. But Or he can start, yeah. like, I have, like, a little Drew doll at home, and I just poke it with needles. Oh, yeah. That's what I do. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I think every... why I have that acupuncture feeling without getting <laughs> acupuncture. But you look, you, you need you need your big dogs to be your big dogs and your role players to continue to do that. And you're going to need guys. You're going to need Nikolai Ehlers to score. You're going to need Kyle Connor to score. You're going to need Mark Shifley to score. I mean, the, ultimately, like, these guys are going to have to take the bull by the horns. And look, they're, I, again, I'm not pillaring them because they've been playing, for the most part, pretty good hockey. They just aren't getting those bounces. And, and again, 
sometimes the goaltenders make the saves and and they have excellent games and and you know after the game um uh Jim Montgomery said that uh, that was Jeremy Swayman's game of the year mm-hmm. against the Jets and we know James Reimer had his game of the year against the Jets I mean I know folks hate to say you know that that happens but how many times has Connor Hellebuck played the game of his life and the Jets have escaped from games that they don't deserve to win. It happens in hockey. It's just the reality. So look, the strength of schedule is definitely in the Jets favor. We talked, Ezzy and I talked about that after the post game show, uh, you know, with Boston that the Jets have the seventh easiest, uh, you know, strength of schedule, I believe uh, left And Nashville mm-hmm. has like the second hardest uh, Calgary, I think has like second or third easiest, but Calgary's the fact is pretty easy. That's yeah, why Cal- I'm more worried about Calgary. But like I said, guys, like, if you take away the strength of schedule and and just you know look at the games remaining and the teams, I, maybe it's just me, but like the Flames scare me a lot more. And I, but I do think the Jets will hang on. I mean, it's obviously nobody knows at this point. That's the thing. Like we can all come up with our own kind of uh, you know we could pick like what we how many points we think the Jets are going to get or the the Flames yeah. are going to get or the Predators are going to get. But mm-hmm. just with you know Kadri and Huberto and you know all these Lindholm, like they've just got way more talent on their team than the Predators do. But you're right. I mean, they still have to win these games. And if you lose to today, and again, I, I think the Jets will win. I think they'll respond because I like the way they're playing. But then all of a sudden, you know, the Predators are a little bit closer than 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 you'd like, right? And the, the they have the games in hand. The Flames are only three points back. So this game really is critical. I mean, forget the biggest game of the year nonsense. They just have to win, period. Well, look, it, it, you know, you talk about the standings and everything else. Nashville's four points behind the Jets. They have those three games in hand. If the Jets can get the victory, a clean victory, by uh, you know a clean two points, then you know Nashville still has the three games in hand. But they go to they go to play the Rangers tomorrow night, so their mm-hmm. their schedule, like you said, is not easy. Calgary has Dallas tonight. Not uh, easy. It, not easy. I mean Dallas, you know, and that's at home. And Calgary's been, you know. The Jets of the, the Calgary's been so woefully inconsistent. They go yeah. into loss all year Adams. long, Drew. Like yeah, Drew, they've they, Drew. They, they actually had, yeah. Sorry, I was just gonna say, Dave. Like they've been doing this all year long. So it's that, yeah. that's the thing too that I have that, that I think is in the Jets' favor. Is it's, it's not like the Flames are on a heater or yeah. or you know they were on a heater a couple of weeks ago. They're they're the the postcard of inconsistent. Ezzy, I was just gonna say they're consistently inconsistent, and the and the irony was that folks in Calgary were 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 pleased as punch that their team had won two games in a row. So, you know, like it was like the first time that it happened in like six weeks or something like that, maybe more when they won two games in a row last week. And then of course, yeah. you know, it's just, yeah, that's, I then, like Brass Bonanza's uh, assessment there. It's a snail's race to the eighth place. And it's not, it's not they've got true. the Kings and the Golden Knights. Like they just played the Golden Knights. They've got the Kings and the Golden Knights coming up. So the Flames easier part of their schedule isn't going to come until kind of like later which next is, week. Which, Ezzy, which is why if you're Winnipeg and you can have a clean sweep this weekend, right? and we have to focus on one game at a time. Right. You give yourself breathing room, right? You Dave? give like, yourself you and breathe. Well, you give yourself breathing room, but you also give yourself that confidence to know, hey, you know what? We've we've given our, like, we're feeling good. Calgary's nervous. They're holding their sticks a little tighter. And we've given ourselves that buffer. And, and that to me is the key for the Jets. To your point, if the Jets get a clean sweep this weekend, and they should, I mean, let's not be, let's not, you know, uh, uh, you careful know. drew. If, if Jordan Biddington wasn't, uh, suspended, he, those would be considered fighting words. With That's him. fine. Everything is a fighting word to that lunatic. Well, the I best, mean, well, I, I, I agree mean, with drew. I'm completely, I, I was never the biggest Biddington fan. No, I mean, what he did in 2000. Heater. Yeah, exactly. What he did in 2019 when the blues won the Stanley cup was incredible. He's that was like, JS, that was JS Jaguar type of stuff, right? He's, he's a distraction in, in, in well, that dressing room. But the funniest thing is Mark Andre Fleury. I don't know if you guys saw, he was mic'd yeah. up. Yeah, it was very, did you funny. guys see that. Yeah. Or hear that, I guess, but he was mic'd up. And the thing is, like, Mark, it'll Andrew be Fleury good. Was like, it'll okay, be good. This, guy, this idiot wants to fight 
yeah. goalie. I'll fight him. He can fight me, Mr. Hall of Famer, the flower, yeah. right? But um, it was funny that after he got kicked out of the game, then he started pumping the crowd up. It's like you're pumping your own your home crowd up, but you just took a penalty. Well, and now you your not... team's like it was just so weird. He's a little bit unhinged. He compared what did he he compared himself to Matt Damon's character in Goodwill Hunting? Uh, you know, a- after getting suspended. I'm like, what are you Good, talking good about? Goodwill Hunting. What is that from 1992? I mean, not quite that old, but probably 19 is it 98, 99? I'm not 100%. I wish sure. I had Google or something that I yeah, could check, maybe Google IMDb, watch. Dave. I wish I had an internet connection that I could uh, check that particular factoid. Darryl, I'm going to look I'm, it up right I'm now. Look, 1998 is when Goodwill Hunting Okay, well, I was off so, by I mean, six years, Drew. But look, Drew's right. He, he, he's, he's definitely a unique character. And, I mean, hockey needs more unique characters, but he's also, you know, detrimental to his team's success. Now, the Blues well, aren't going anywhere. It's become anywhere. a bit of a joke. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing with, with Bennington, right? I think Bennington's a really talented goalie. Like, it's been well documented that, you know, he's had his ups and downs, Dave. Yeah, but it's just like you're you're on a non-playoff team. Yeah, you're kind of you're just kind of he's just doing stupid stuff out there. I would agree exactly. But it, my point is going back before we got waylaid like we so often do on this fine program yeah. is that you know if the Jets take care of business this weekend mm. and they should, they could potentially be seven points up on the Flames. Yeah, right? I mean, in a seven-point buffer. Uh, you know, and yes, Calgary would still have a game in hand. And yes, this presumes that Calgary loses to Dallas. Uh, to Dallas tonight, which yeah. of course you can't make that, you can't assume that's going to happen. But for argument's sake, let's do it. A seven point lead is not a small lead. That is a, no. rel- it should be a, a, a significant buffer in this league where it's so hard to, to really, you know, put any distance or gain yeah. any ground on, on teams that you're trying to chase. Well, you could probably go if you win these next two games. You could probably even go like a game or two below five hundred and still make the playoffs. That's that's pretty much what it does. It doesn't guarantee that you make the playoffs, but it goes a long way to ensuring that you hold that last wild card spot, right? So yeah, it's mm-hmm. that's why I said you got to get four points here, There's right? No and that's obvious. It. It's not like the Jets are going into these games saying like, oh, like we want to beat Nashville, but if we get a point against, um, you know, if we get a, a three points out of four, you know, against St. Louis, we only get one. Obviously, they want the four points. But they have to do it, and and like, mm-hmm. look at these guys have pride on the Blues and the Predators. They like the Blues especially well, know the they're not going to make the playoffs. For, you know, the Predators aren't playing for more than pride; they're playing for their playoff lives. Well, sure, but what I'm saying is yeah. that you know, you're not. It's not going to be easy here, and you know, we can assume UC Soros is going to play against the Jets. I mean, that that's the goaltender that you expect to be in there, and it, it's been well. I mean, we've all watched how Soros has played the Jets over the years. He's mm-hmm. a top five goalie in the league. It's not going to be easy. Um, but you know, just based on the talent on this roster and the lack of talent on the Predators roster, yeah, this should be an easy win. Well, Sorry, I shouldn't say easy win. I should say it's it should be a win for the Jets, and they're going to go a long way if they get these four points in securing a playoff spot. Look, it starts with Kyle Connor, two goals in his last 14 games. Yep. Ehlers has got to be better, Drew. He wasn't good against Boston. Ehlers, three goals in his last 14 games. Blake Wheeler, zero goals in his last 14 games. I mean, these are not uh, sustainable numbers. These are not acceptable numbers from your best players. And I'm even, you know, Mark Scheifele should have more than six goals in his last 14 games. You know, so, I mean, you know, he's got 12 assists or he's got six assists also. So at least he's getting close to that point. He's he's also on pace for like 45 goals. So Scheifele... I, I'm not as much as worried about, but right. you're right. Ehlers, Connor, Wheeler. I mean, Dubois would provide well, a nice boost. Yeah. What do we think about Axel Janssen, Fialbi maybe may going in? I, like, I'm not just reading the chat here. 
I, I, you guys know that it seems like, you know, when the bottom six isn't providing a lot of offense, which, you know, we got to give credit to Morgan Barron. He's been good. Mason Appleton's been good. That fourth line, you're not getting a lot of offense, Dave. I wonder if AJF goes in. Well, I, the only thing I was going to say um, is, is that, yeah, I mean, it, it's possible, but you know what you need those guys. I mean, realistically, just looking at it though, he had Ehlers, Shifley, Nita Ryder, Connor Dubois, Wheeler, mm-hmm. uh, Nemesnikov, Lowry, Appleton, and Baron Stenland and Menelainen. So those, it looks like, it looks like Jonathan Fialbi is, is going to remain out as well, David Gustafson. But you know what I was going to say as, is that even if those guys aren't scoring, even if Kyle Connor isn't scoring, even if Nikolai Ehlers isn't scoring, you know what they need to do? not become defensive liabilities like they've been. So Nikolai Ehlers casually, you know, giving that puck up, which ends up in the back of the net on the Pavel Zaka goal, or Kyle Connor flying the zone, uh, which led to, was that the first goal by, which game was that, Ezzy? When that, might have been, that might have been the Carolina game. That was, that was the Carolina, Carolina game. game. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. So, so the point is, you know, it's one thing if you're not scoring goals in 14 games, but you're also leading directly to goals against your team in these games and that that is as big a killer when your team isn't scoring as that was the if i'm not mistaken that was the jacob slavin goal yeah it was it was it was so the point is that you just got to be more careful and you know the other thing with cal connor is he's got to be more disciplined i mean it's crazy how many penalties he's taken and i understand there's frustration i understand all of that that element but like you've got to be more disciplined because you can't afford even though you have a good penalty kill you don't need to put your guys in the box and kill time and 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 you know, again, removing the offensive opportunities for your five, team. Five on five against the Preds. That's how you beat them. Five on five because you have more talent. You know, if you if it all of a sudden becomes a special teams contest, well, that 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 advantage you have in talent gets neutralized. Five on five it, 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 tonight. Five on five against St. Louis. Five on five over the next you know the rest of the month. You have more talent than the teams you're playing against. You demonstrate that at five on five. That's how you that's how you should win. Because the power play hasn't really been clicking that well for the Jets lately. And once once you're onto the penalty kill, if you're going to be penalty killing for a significant period of time, strange things happen when the other team can get the like, and, can have and a power T, play. You, we've got the comment up from, from T Cone Apoly here. Like yeah. he's absolutely right. You you can't take a lot of penalties. You want to control the puck a lot better. Just don't have those unforced turnovers. That's right. what we've seen. There's a difference between taking a penalty to prevent a goal or, you know, if it's a strong forecheck, something like that. But just reduce these kind of glaring turnovers. And also a lot of people earlier in the show were, were mentioning the starts. They're absolutely right. Like we've saw, we saw it last game against the Bruins. Um, it was a Trent Frederick, right, that got the first goal. We saw yeah. it a couple of weeks ago against the Avalanche when Nathan McKinnon scored somehow like half of a second into the game. <laughs> Obviously, I'm joking. But, yeah, you got to have better starts. And like I said earlier, the Predators are not going to score a lot of goals. They just don't. There's not enough talent on this team. Right. So if you're able to put a couple goals past Soros, which is not easy, I think that's going to go a long way into winning this game. The puck drop is in three and a half hours. The Illegal Curve post-game show right around 3.45 or so this afternoon following the Jets and the Preds. Meet us back here on our YouTube channel for all of your post-game chatter. When we come back, Jason Bell of the Winnipeg Free Press joins us. He's the sports editor. He covers the Jets as well. We'll talk to Jay about everything going on with the Jets. Much more to come. It's a Saturday morning. You're live with the Illegal Curve Hockey Show on YouTube and all of our social media platform bottom of our number one we welcome you back to the illegal curve hockey show for more discussions and analysis about the winnipeg jets we're pleased to welcome to the program marty bird along with his with his human handler jason bell of the winnipeg free press you know, my wife what's going on jay 
Well, you know, initially I wasn't, I was going to refuse to speak today because I've been benched the last few weeks and I didn't think I didn't, I was pissed off. I didn't want to talk to you guys, but I've decided today I can come out and talk to you. That's good. Well, the thing is hammer doesn't cost us as much money. That was the thing, right? So that's why we had hammer on last week. We had to, we had to refill the bank account. And and the other thing, I I came in with a goal. I do not want to leave Drew feeling crummy. So I got a lot of pressure on myself on this. That's okay. I have, I have a very thick skin, uh, unlike some of the uh, members of the Winnipeg Jets who, uh, yeah, I mean, I know you're, 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 you're tongue in cheek referencing Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor and their uh, comments after the, after refusing the opportunity to comment, Uh, you know, it seems like this, this team, you know, Jay almost gets in their own way especially the guys who are ostensibly leaders on this team. I mean, you know, you come out, you talk after that incident, you know, and and it's, and it's done with, and instead they turned a, you know, a a post game blurb into a few days worth of conversation. It's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's almost PR one Oh one, but it's, it's apparently a class that they, that they failed miserably in, in just letting this smolder into something more than what it could have been. Had they just come out and say what Nito Niederreiter said, you know, we weren't good enough. We deserve to get benched. We'll be better tomorrow. Done. Instead. Maybe, it's, maybe it is. Maybe it's, it's brilliant PR because then they don't have to actually talk about the hockey game. They can talk about something else and how, how terrible they've been lately. Um, after today, we, you know, let's get back to hockey. And after today, um, you know, they, you guys talk about today a must win. Obviously, you know, they have to win today. And if they if they crap the bed, there's going to be absolutely no time for us to really analyze that one because they're back on the ice tomorrow. So it's going to be one of these, oh, we got to flush that one and get back on the ice. So expect to hear some of that today if, if these guys don't go into Nashville and, and win. But I, I'm like, yeah, as I expect them to win today. Well, I mean, it just seems like, you know, at some point in time, the talent disparity should win out. So then if it doesn't, then it becomes one of a question of effort and a question of desire and a question of want. And you you hate to criticize anyone's desire and everything else, but it's, it, it's you know, the execution needs to be there. And they've played decently this week. They played decently against Carolina if it wasn't for the self-inflicted errors. They played pretty well against Boston, but Boston, you know, just you give Boston an inch and they kick the door in and they end up with a, vi- with a victory. This, I mean, do you, I, I guess, looking back at the last, let's say, since, since last weekend games where they swept in Florida, do you get the sense that maybe this team is is starting to break through a little bit and maybe start heading up on an upward trajectory? Or do you think that they're just going to be the consistently inconsistent team we've seen since the calendar turned to 2023? Well, the wisest thing that's been said in the last two weeks, guys, is what Adam Lowry said, is that they're the hollow victories that doesn't mean anything, right? Mm-hmm. How many times do we say, you know, on any on, if they play like this tonight – or they say we we should win most games. Well, they've proven that actually doesn't happen, because <laughs> they, they can they can go and lose, you know, in, in so many different shapes and sizes that it's uh, uh, Jet fans would be pulling their hair out. Um, so yeah, I can, we can easily say that two wins this weekend would go a long way to really solidifying things, because as you suggested, I mean, Calgary's got. Uh, They've got Dallas tonight, and I think they play. I'm looking over on my shoulder here. They got LA coming up on Monday. Yeah. Um, you know, you could you could you could do some damage to Nashville by beating them, obviously, in their own barn today, and then take care of St. Louis tomorrow. St. Louis won the other night, which is surprising. Um, <laughs> that roster, but this is not the same Nashville team that 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 used to give the Jets fits and starts. You know that, eh? I mean, 
So you said Philip Forsberg didn't play the other night. So I don't know if he's probably a question mark today. There's no Arvidsson. There's no Ekholm. There's no Ellis. There's no Subban. Of course, there's no Pekka Rene anymore. This is a shell of their former selves. Uh, again, there's, there should be no excuses for this team to not win today going away. Um, but we've proven that they've proven that just doesn't mean anything. What you expect this team doesn't, awesome, doesn't always come to fruition. So. This is the Tommy Novak, Luke Evangelista, uh, <laughs> Phil Tomasino predators. Uh, Evan Gravel. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was, I was, I, I'm yeah. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure as either called the Milwaukee Admirals. Yeah, this is the Tyson Berry era in in Nashville right now. But I agree with you 100, Jay. Like if if the Jets play, this is what I kind of said right before you came on. If they play anywhere close to the way to the way, and and you're right. I mean, you play really well, like the process and everything like that, and it's true. But you don't get the results, and and that's what's unfortunate because all you want right now is the results. Like the Flames shouldn't be three points behind the Jets. Like the Jets should have more of a cushion, but it's because they've been a 500 team the last two or two and a half months, right? I wanted to ask you about oh. Connor Hellebuck because I think you would agree that Hellebuck will probably get both of these starts. I mean, there's a chance, you know, Riddick plays. Riddick obviously has struggled big time, and, you know, we don't have to, to go over that. But, I mean, as far as you're concerned, is is the key to this team not still Hellebuck? Like, yes, I realize that Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers, uh, Blake Wheeler, they're not scoring goals. PLD's health. You hope that he play, plays both of these games. But if the Jets get into the playoffs and are able to beat someone, to me, Hellebuck is the key. And Elliot, that's why Elliot Friedman mentioned this the other day, saying that you know no other goaltender in the NHL is more important to their team than Connor Hellebuck. And I, I don't think that Connor Hellebuck is the is the main reason why the Jets get into the playoffs over the next thirteen games. Though I mean, you can expect that he's going to play okay. Maybe maybe when you get up against a, a Vegas or an LA or, or Minnesota or whoever they might play in that first round. Sorry, Jay, that question was actually for Marty Bird. Uh, <laughs> um, well, he just did something on my back, so that's what he thought about your question. Oh boy, um, yeah, that's how Bird's telling you that they like that question. I mean, they should they should be able to win a lot of these games coming up with an even average Connor Hellebuck, because again, the level of competition, which again, shouldn't mean anything because the Jets are, have played basically 500 hockey for a long time, but what they need is their best players to play like their best players. Mm -hmm. And of course you guys have pointed this out numerous times. I mean, Kyle Connor has been like a wall and, and Ehlers has been, you know, a wall. And uh, Blake Wheeler has really regressed, unfortunately. Um, we're watching it right in front of our own eyes. And maybe he's just, you know, out of sorts and it'll come back. Um, but it's, uh, they, you know, they need to score some goals and they should be able to beat these teams. But, you know, Connor Helba can't allow five. But you would think that, that any kind of a defensive structure against some of these weaker teams, they wouldn't they wouldn't surrender that many goals. So score a couple, get a couple of goals from your, your best guys, and, and you should win some of these hockey games. I don't think Connor Helba – if Connor Hellebuck is going to be this, you know, this, you know, the last line of defense against, like, some of these weaker thens, then, oh, this is a worse team than we thought they are. Saturday morning, you're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Jason Bell of the Winnipeg Free Press, along with his pet, Marty Bird, are joining us on the program to talk about the Jets ahead of the Jets and the Predators this afternoon, and then the Jets and the Blues tomorrow evening. My question's for Jay or Marty. Either one can answer, of course. But uh, for either of you boys, uh, question is, what do you think in terms of the, you know, um, Rick Bonus was talking about uh, not wanting guys to sit too long. Do you think the era of, 
rotation is done on the defense? Do you think Dylan Sandberg has cemented himself? Like I personally think he should never come out of this lineup again, given what he's been able to do. But Jay, do you think it's, 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 it's safe to say that that era is done now and you're just going to see the guys, the, the guys who should be in the top six uh, for the Jets defense? Yeah, I think you're right. I think what we're going to see, this is as good a defensive core as they can ice. You know, what they have in their organization, this is the six, right? As long as uh, Josh Morrissey is healthy. And then that, of course, that creates all kinds of other problems. But uh, Dylan Sandberg still has his warts, Dave. You would know, you would, you've you watched him for years and you've, you've seen his growth and development. I think he does a lot of really good things. And this the NHL is not a development league and the Jets are trying to win right now, but it probably does him, a, I don't think it does him a great service to, to be playing a, behind Logan Stanley at this point. I mean, we know moving forward who's going to be the guy. You know, they, do they peg Logan Stanley as a top four defenseman? Maybe not, but he, he's certainly developing into a really solid five or six for probably a good long while in this organization. So they've got the defensive core they want. I think they want on the ice right now, and you're not going to you're not going to see a lot of guys moving in and out of there. And quite frankly, in the in the twelve forward group, I mean, I think Axel Johnson Fialbi, that's that would be the only question mark in my mind too. Um, I didn't, I mean, I certainly didn't see Sam Gagne playing anymore, and it's 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 unfortunate that he's gone under the knife. And uh, he's, he's he, you would think, I mean, we won't see him in a Jet jersey again. And he was how a, surprised were you? Sorry to, to to cut you off during your answer, but how surprised were you? Because like it seemed like that came out of nowhere. I, I don't totally. even know if any yeah. of the media. I mean, I think all of us just assumed that he was going to be a healthy scratch for the remainder of the. And, and he would be a you know a, a positive influence around the club, and he still certainly still maybe as they as they make a push. But I didn't see him playing. But I certainly didn't see him, uh, you know, requiring surgery. And he'll he will you know hopefully hey we wish him well, and we wish that he has, makes a full recovery and can still play another year or two. And in, in it won't be here, I can't imagine. But uh, uh, but no, that you know I think again that the 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 the, the twelve that we see playing today are probably the twelve that we're going to see down the stretch unless they decide to 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 uh, to throw in Axel uh, every once in a while. Uh, that's the only other player I see coming in and out of the lineup. Jason, you know, you look at this team. Let's, for argument's sake, say that they do make it into the playoffs. I don't think anybody expects that if they get in there, that they're going to be there for long. They just seem to be a step behind the other teams in the in the Western Conference. You know, certainly in the you know the Dallas's and the Colorados. I mean, the, the Jets just aren't at that level. You know, you disagree with me if you want. That's fine. But you know, if that's the case, and let's say the season ends relatively quickly. Is there any reason to bring back the same group for next year and expect different results? Well, we this is a debate that we could raise, you know, go on all day today. Do you want to spend the whole day on this? Because um I don't cover the team on a day-to-day basis anymore, as you gentlemen well know. So mm-hmm. I have I take a bit of a step back. Um it's been it's been a decade since my fan hat came off. Um, I look at this club like any other club in the NHL, um, and I I can't see I see no reason why the general manager is back if this team makes doesn't make the playoffs. If that would then happen, then obviously a new coaching staff would come in, and I I don't necessarily think Scott O'Neill just assumes the reign. Um, that that's my take on it. Um, and then you make major changes. And I think that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, there's been lots of chatter. We don't actually know what the man himself believes, but I think we can safely assume that maybe uh, it would be best if there, if he had found a new address next year. Mark Shifley, I probably think, and Mark has been a great hockey player for this organization. For He's been a member of this team since day one. But a change of scenery is probably best. And then all of a sudden you're talking about your top two centers. I mean, that's a that's a that's a 
big bunch of changes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, does Blake Wheeler, does, is he back for another season? Um, you know, you're, you're building around, obviously, you're building around Josh Morrissey. You're trying to convince your goaltender to, you're going to throw a lot of money at your goaltender and tell him that we're going in the right direction and hope Connor Hellebuck can re-up. Um, but I think it could be a very, very interesting summer uh, as far as changes in this organization from top to bottom. That's as much yeah. as I have no intel, uh, yeah. but I, I have to assume that if I was running the show and if I was Mark Chipman, I think I'd probably say I've seen enough of this regime and it's time for 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 us to move in a different direction. And I think if I'm reading the room right, my fan base would expect as much. Yeah, I would agree. I think all of us agree with you, Jay. And I don't know if, you know, Dubois, Shifley, Wheeler, Wheeler all of these guys get moved, but I, I would assume at least one of them or two of them get moved. And I wanted to go back to what you were saying before. Like, let's, you know, we still have, uh, what, 13 games left here, 12 games left here in the regular season with two huge games coming up this afternoon. It's almost going to have, like, honestly, the game, I don't want to overhype it because the Predators aren't a very good team. But, I mean, this afternoon game should have a playoff feel, right? Like, if the Jets are able to win today and especially, you know, take four points and beat St. Louis, like Drew said earlier, that's going to go a long way into making the playoffs. But kind of getting back to... Well, I would say one other thing. As sorry to interrupt you, sure, keep your go ahead. Yeah, because if you, you you'll forget your train of thought as fast as I do if we don't if we don't remind you again. <laughs> I already so forgot it, Jay. I think the best thing the best thing that could happen for the Winnipeg Jets right now is that they win about five nothing and they only allow about sixteen shots because they want thirty seven to play tomorrow, as mm-hmm. you suggested. If he faces forty one shots, and I can't I could can't see how that roster in Nashville could generate forty one shots. I really don't, and I mean don't you know it's just they're just not there anymore. But. Uh, uh, Cause you want, you want him to play back to back. And then I don't know, you've got Arizona. Then that's when you throw David Riddick out to Arizona and you still expect to beat Arizona. You have to. Well, you know, but to your point, Jay, about the shots on goal, I mean, he faced a ton of rubber last Friday uh, against the Panthers and they still brought him back on, on Saturday against the lightning or maybe I think you can only right. go to that. Well, so often, can't you right. guys? I mean, we talk about right. rest and recovery and exactly. Connor Helbeck doesn't seem to like rest and recovery. They almost right. have to force it on him, yeah. but he's I not a machine. He, like at the end of no, the day, he's a human but being. This is, like, but this is a big weekend and you're a pro athlete. And, and I think you will give you Tuesday off, but you have to play back to back, assuming that they don't get shelled. But as back to your point, I'm curious. Oh no, it's it's no. The, the question was gonna was gonna surround uh, you know the idea uh, uh, that there there could be major changes regardless of of how the Jets do in the playoffs, right? Like, and that that kind of goes back to what I was saying before. I was talking more about Hellebuck being the key once the Jets you know get into the playoffs. Yeah. He's obviously gonna. I mean, Hellebuck has to play well these next couple of games. But I guess what I was gonna say is. Don't you think that these guys, like especially, I'm talking about the veterans. I mean, you want the whole team, I mean, to be on the same page. But for guys like Shifley and Wheeler uh, and and even, you know, some of the guys, like you mentioned, Shifley's been around with the Jets so long, they didn't even have a team name yet, right? He put the NHL jersey on in, in St. Paul, right? But like the veterans of this team, the guys that have been drafted and developed, so you throw Connor in there, you throw Ehlers, you throw Morrissey, Lowry. I mean, shouldn't these guys be rallying around the fact that there could be major changes regardless of what happens in the playoffs? I don't know how much they think about that stuff right now, guys. They should be thinking about the here and now. I really don't know, but you're, you're a human being and you are thinking about the future. And do, do they look around the room and say, boy, we want this group together? Or are they looking around the room being realistic and saying, it's been it's been real, but, you know, it's time to... <laughs> yeah, I'm sick of this to... guy. <laughs> well, I don't think they're sick of them, but, you know, I think... And, and also, I think a lot of them have to be able to think, thinking about themselves, too. I, you know, I, you know, I'm... Geez, 
I don't pay any taxes in this state. And I probably, I, I set myself up against this guy and I'm making $2 million less than that guy. Um, hey, you just have to put it in the Cayman Islands like a legal curve does. We have, a, we have an account in the <laughs> Cayman Islands. go back Islands. to what Drew said. And, you know, he's talking about, and I thought about this this morning, you know, there's no reason for us to believe that the Jets could get past a Dallas or a Vegas or a Minnesota in the first round, depending how it all kind of shakes out, right? Um, or in LA, I guess. Pardon me, LA could be in there too. Um, but there's also... I mean, look at how they played for the first 38 to 40 games of the season, right? When their goal, the Gore scores were scoring and they, they played a structure and Hellebuck was like a Vesna winner. And I'm not saying they're going to all of a sudden go to bed, wake up the next morning, and they're going to be back to their former selves. But could they not beat Dallas in a best of seven series? Could they not beat LA in a best of seven series? I think the one team you want to avoid is Colorado. But I think oh, exactly. But I don't, I don't, Dallas they Dallas actually don't see does anybody see a scenario right now where they play Colorado in the first round? No, probably not. No, it'd be unlikely. But look, you know, of course, sorry, they can me, end up playing Vegas in the first round. I'm not trying to. This is not homerism. I'm just saying. I'm saying, reality is this: we've seen this club like dominate teams earlier in the season. Can they? Can they regain that form? Who knows? But I, I wouldn't say that if they make the playoffs and they've got they 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 start in they start in Dallas and they go in and steal one in Dallas that they can't come home and win a couple and all of a sudden they win a series. I mean, I just these teams aren't. This is not Boston. I, I think. Look, the, sorry. Let, let me just you know. We'll make, go back to the point where we said that the West was wide open. Did it? Did it change no. so dramatically no, since it's the still trade wide open? It's no, it's still wide, wide open, open, but I don't think the Jets right now, I, I just don't think that they are at the same level as the other teams. That's not to say they can't win a series. They can definitely win a series because yeah. Connor Hellebuck on his own could steal a series. But can they win two series? Can they win three series? I'm skeptical just because, and yes, they could revert back to the form, the, the you know, playing as well as they were at the beginning of the season or the first few months. But it's not even been like a short-term blip. It's been like this since the beginning of January now. It's a trend. It's been no, almost yeah, three months of, of, of mediocre to below mediocre hockey so yes they could turn it on for a series but i don't think they can do it for more than one mm. that would be to me surprising i mean i think their their cap level or their 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 you know as far as they can go is is, is one round yeah. now maybe that and that just by the way and just that one round however many home games that would translate to is a huge boon for the business side of the operation sure it is. so maybe and the fans, just the fans like how the fans the jets fans everybody watching or listening on the podcast like do we not want to see a whiteout and, and, you know, now with true North square there, like, I mean, the fans deserve this. I mean, the fans are the ones that pay the salaries and buy the merchandise. Like Mike talked about that in his article. And that's why, like, again, I don't want to, you know, beat a dead horse here. It's unacceptable to me. Maybe that's my journalism background. The fact that, you know, we're, we're friends and colleagues with you and hammer and Mike and all the media, like you gotta, you gotta be accountable, man. Like you gotta speak to the media, even if you're going to speak in your cliches, when you have a bad game, like Blake Wheeler doesn't have the C anymore. So that's one of Shifley or Connor had to speak to the media there. Sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. And I, but I think, I think my make, uh, you know, Mike got roasted a little bit by fans who, th who take the attitude why, oh, poor media, you didn't get to talk to us. Mike, trust me, Mike and I don't, and Jeff and those guys, they don't care if they throw their microphone in front of guys because they've been there, done that, and they don't say anything interesting. The reality is I think the I think you owe it to your organization and the guys in the room that you step out and take accountability and you mm -hmm. don't throw the new guy. Yeah, Nino. Nino, Nino, Nino right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, here you go, Nino. You've only been here two weeks. So you answer the questions. And by the way, Mike mentioned this, and he's 100% right. 
Nino answered that question like a professional adult. Right? Nino like, scored like, in that game. Well, he scored, and he but he said we weren't very good. That's all. They and had he was to say. not the worst player on that line. He got no. he was he was he got guilty by association. And 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 again, you know, I think I think Kevin Shoveldaff took a lot of heat at the trade deadline. But we can all agree that the the acquisition of sixty two was it was a, has been a very good move. And he's got term, and he's going to look. Re- I think he's he just brings a lot into that. He must bring a lot into that room. I have to assume because he he brings a, an energy on the ice that uh, that that we haven't seen from a lot of that type of that that type of player like who's the last type of player this organization had i mean they've had they've had energy guys with no skill right they've had like, <laughs> i don't want to knock mikey Samant because then dave's going to be mad at me but and and oh, yeah. and, dave, and, dave and, won't and, like that, Lemieux and guys like this but and i'm not saying that that you know is a fighter but you know what i mean like an energy guy that on the ice you think oh you're kind of waiting to see what he might do next right well, a you guy know? who parks himself and, and does you know who 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 Always, Brandon Tanev is a guy that comes to mind. Can be when found in front that. of the net with with less, yeah, with, with less, less skill. Yeah. yeah, Nino Niederreiter is a guy with skill who just who refuses to rely strictly on that skill and and stay on the perimeter. He goes to where he needs to go, and hell hath no fury to get in his way. And obviously, a consummate like a Nino Niederreiter scorned. And he came sure. <laughs> and he came out and spoke. He, he, you know, and he's the newest guy in the room. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, Jay, I, Jay, I was just going to say, like, you know, the truth is, you're right. He, it's it's one thing to have an energy guy, but it's another thing with him. He, he's an energy guy with talent. Yeah. And and so that that adds a different element than than a lot of the other guys. But, you know, and, and speaking of, you know, being where they need to be and, and adjusting and, and making all sorts of, you know, uh, impacts on the game, the power play. And I know Brad Lauer, his return to the bench, he's not on skating, I don't believe. So that's why Eric Dubois remains with the big club, but does he go, does he go out in his winter boots? I had coaches like that. <laughs> no, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't been, I didn't have went to practice a couple weeks ago. I wasn't there last week. So I don't know if he was on the ice, but I don't believe he is yet. And so, but the power play, I mean, the power play from a team that is talented as this club, I, you just watch it. And I'm not going to ask you to break it down and, 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 but I'm not a not, break it down system. No, and I'm not asking you to break. I'm not asking you to. But do you? I think I it would be cruel. Eyes. It would be cruel to, for anybody to break it down, even the coaches. I mean, but, how, how much can you break down a power play? That I just think that we go back to what what what. It's been the same thing, and a, a new coach hasn't changed things. A new system hasn't changed things, and I know that Nikolai Ehlers is struggling. I get that, but. He plays twenty yeah. seconds of power play. How can well, you? That's, and Jay, that would, Jay, that's what I was. Jay, that's what I was getting to. Is just the idea that I understand he doesn't want to change his personnel. That's fine. But the idea is like when you watch these power plays and like the Jets have not been scoring on them. They're you know power play one. They're using a minute and forty five seconds. Yeah, and I mean, what, the you're other saying they group. don't want to change their personnel, Dave. Why not? Well, no, I, don't get me wrong. I'm all for making adjustments, but they don't seem to be. So they have. They that. can't win the draw. So they're work. They're usually working with about a hundred second power play. Really, is what they're right. doing. They can't win the yeah. opening face off. So now you're okay. So you're basically you're. You may as well just start your power play with Josh Morrissey behind his own net. Like that's how they should start their power <laughs> plays, right? Just say go. Like like we used to in the old days when we had no referees. You just yeah. you get the puck on your yeah. side. So they do that, and then and then they come up the ice, and they can't gain the zone. Right? There's only one guy that can consistently gain the zone. So why is he not on the first power play? And I know he's struggling, but just change things up. How does it hurt you if you change things up? I don't understand. You do the same. What is it? You know, the definition of the word. I don't. The word I don't like. It's just yeah. Yeah, but you just you know, I just you just do the same stuff, and, and they're just and then there's and they're so static. We know that there's no puck movement and. 
bobbled pucks and in, in, incomplete passes and and all of a sudden they're 0 5 against Boston and that would have changed the the makeup of the hockey game because he played well enough to win. You know, it, it, you're you're exactly right, and yet you know it is it is the word you don't want to use, and I understand that. But it, it, yet it's a I don't understand why you know the coaching staff and I look. Rick Bonus knows more, has forgotten more hockey than I'll ever know. But it seems like it's so obvious here. But for whatever reason, and I don't know what that reason is, he seems to be, you know, I don't want to say, you know, kowtowing to the players. But there seems there, there needs to be a complete uh, personnel adjustment, not a small tweak, but a complete adjustment here. And if it means that you, you know, pardon the pun, Marty Bird, ruffle a few feathers, <sighs> so be it. Uh, Marty's not going to like that. Well, he's ruffling right now. That's, actually. that's why he's, he's hiding behind Jay right now. That's no, why. But so, like Drew, that. is that a matter of they just don't? I mean, how, do you not? Do they not? Do they not trust? Uh, like it used to be. I mean, they used to have no problem putting Matthew Perot out there in the first unit every once in a while, and you know they just to shake. Things no, he was up. great. I mean, I think we've seen Domestikov can 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 protect pucks and and dish pucks and and retrieve pucks. Yeah. Um, Mason Appleton is a little kind of a he's kind of like a Nemestikov light way in that in that regard. But I guess I mean why not start with twenty seven and fifty five and What's the and, most and, tw- and keep twenty six off the ice for the power play and just yes. see what happens next. Yes. What's the most important? Yeah, we're also part assuming of- that Pierre Luc was going to come back and help right. in that regard. And that would that would help a, a, a ton. Like I really like. I mean, is there a better time for PLD to come back than this afternoon? I mean, we'll have to wait and see in a few hours, but But you're right, Drew, the the power play needs changes. What's the most important part of of establishing your power play? The most important part is gaining zone entry. And if you can gain clean zone entry without having to, you know, chip it in and then, then win a puck retrieval, you're that much. The guy who's chipping it in, the guy that we think should be on that power play is chipping it in and should be first in because he's going a million miles an hour. And if you have, and if you have, if you have, Mark Shifley w- with strong support right beside him. You you should be outmanning people. You should win that puck battle more often than not. And then even if he doesn't chip it in, you know, just his speed is so dangerous that maybe the, the you know the the opposition is playing a little bit on their heels. Maybe they're giving a little bit more room. He doesn't even have to necessarily chip it in. Maybe he can just gain the zone and then establish it without having to you know regain possession. And it all goes back. Sorry, Drew. I was going to say it all goes back to the Jets. Have Drew, I'm looking at Drew. He's feeling crummy right now. We well, have no, failed no. miserably. No, but, but Drew's, you know, it, it's funny though, Jay, because it's not like we've just been talking about the power play struggles this year. Like I could go back to show plans back on the in the TSN 1290 days. The, uh, co- the coaching staff, in in my in my opinion, has failed to get the most out of the talent on this team because with Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers. I mean, we all know the names: Shifley, Dubois, uh, Morrissey. Uh, they're like Niederreiter now. There's way too much talent on this team for the power play to be struggling this much. Yeah, so it's it's and I yeah I think there there's obviously a huge lack of confidence as well, and so maybe that's another reason why you change things up again. I mean, you just send them out there and set them up for what they probably consider as failure. I mean, I know they believe in themselves, they believe in their talent, but this that 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 collection of guys just it's not working anyway. And it's a game changer. We know that the power play can be such a game changer, mm-hmm. particularly when you don't score and the other team just feeds off that. Like, look at the Oilers, right, Jay? They go out there and you're expecting Dreisaitl and McDavid to score a goal 15 seconds into the power play. They did that against the Jets, right? Like, yeah. so obviously, I mean, not apples different and apples. The Jets and the Oilers are, are different teams. The, the Jets don't have, uh, you know, 97 and 29. But, I mean, I, I just think... 
like I, I just get sick of talking about the power play because it just doesn't make any sense to me how, why they struggle so much with all of the skill they have out there. And yeah, Wheeler, I don't think deserves to be out there in the first power play unit anymore. But that's the thing that I get in my I get text the most about is during a hockey game is just mm-hmm. PP one expletive. Like it's just well, like everybody I know. I, it drives I, I, everybody crazy. You know, and you know, last word on this. You know, I'm a big basketball fan. I'm a big college basketball guy. March Madness going on. Go Kentucky. Go Kentucky. Exactly. Big win for my boys last night. You can't have a player on the court or on the ice who is not a threat as a scorer. And Blake Wheeler, you know, when he was a premier distributor in the NHL, that was a different different story. He's yeah, five not five years ago. Guy. Right, five years ago. He's not that guy anymore, and he's not a scorer. Because he doesn't have he doesn't have a shot that strikes any fear into the opposition. So what does the opposition do? They can play off of his shot. They don't have to they don't have to respect the shot. They don't have, they can take they can give him time and space because his shot isn't going to be good enough to just beat the goaltender. So now you're even adding a, a degree of difficulty to your power play that by just having him on the ice as a member of the first power play unit because his passing isn't elite anymore. And his and his shot never was. So it's just another sort of again the the deployment of the personnel. You know, I, I think Rick Bonus has done a very good job, or had done a very good job earlier this season with this team. But the continued deployment of the power play it, it leaves me befuddled, and I don't know why it continues to be that way. Jay, yeah. I'll let you finish on, on last word on that comment. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, you you can come up with four other forwards. Mm-hmm. That would that would that would be a better opportunity option for you to start the power play. That's I think we all agree. Yep. And tw- and and Nikolai Ehlers, despite his struggles, de- despite his defensive deficiencies that are they're really apparent right now. Because again, I think it's a guy with no confidence um, and maybe not 100 percent healthy. Um, is he should be on the first power play? <laughs> it's just like a... Absolutely. Agreed. Jason yeah. Bell is the sports editor for the Winnipeg Free Press. Hammers on the, the snow. Right? Snow's going to be melting soon, Jay. A couple months from now, we'll be out at Granite. Or Granite. Black Bear. You never invite me, though. So. <laughs> be no, be careful no, what you wish for, gonna, Jason. We're going to do it. I was out there a couple weeks ago. Uh, the family's got a new cottage out there, so I'm pumped up about that. And uh, I can't, well. I can't, I can't, oh, I can't say. No, it's not. It's not. It's Naomi's family. <laughs> it's not my money. family. No, 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 no. The Ginsburgs. One back in the day, uh, my grandparents had a, a cottage up in Flinfong because that's where my dad's from. But um, no, I, it's it's Naomi's family. But uh, hopefully, we're going to be able to to finally meet up, and maybe I'll you know oh. get Scotty and Kenny Ancestry. and Sean Reynolds, the pride of Lactabani. So we'll all meet up and have a nice little round. I, I noticed that he did There's a nice foursome right, right here. We could play right there. Yeah. There you go. Something. Jay, the only the only to. course I'm playing is KP. <laughs> I love KP. KP. Yeah, KP is the, the best. The, pub. The, I've always said that. Best pub pub the hole. Yes. Dave, you can drive the cart. You can get the Mike's hard lemonade. You can be the beer boy. You can drive us around and pick up pick us up beer as we need. I have to battle my wife for the TV though because the Jet game is on, and so is Kerry Anderson's first game against Hasselberg. So. Well, you know, we can uh, we can you know start That's a collection. Sweden, right, see if you guys get your yeah. second TV. We don't have split screen. Is there even a split screen anymore? Do they even have that on TVs no. anymore? No, but they have <laughs> these. They have these wild devices called phones yeah, know, and tablets that you can watch. Too on. small though. Well, no, get a bigger tablet. Jay, I'll, let's be honest. I'll be watching Disney Plus with my kids. <laughs> Jay, thank you, buddy. We'll do it again Always real fun, soon. Guys. Take care. Take care. There goes Jason Bell, the Winnipeg Free Press. You can read all the post game coverage. I believe Jeff Hamilton's on the road trip. Hammer is on the road. Yep. There you go. Beautiful post-game, Nashville. Post-game coverage yeah, from Nashville and St. Louis. Shout out to uh, Vandy, right, Drew? 
no, not shout out to Vandy, but uh, sure, why not? <laughs> you can shout out Vandy all you want there, Ezzy. Uh, let's uh, when we come back more on the Jets and the Predators, more on the Winnipeg Jets at the bottom of the hour. Adam Vingan, who covers the Predators, uh, he might have gone to Vandy. I, I think Vingan not Vingan's not from Tennessee though, isn't he a New York guy? I think so. I don't know. Why don't you ask him when he comes on? Well, I might be minutes. confusing. Confused. Josh Cooper's from Josh New York. Josh Cooper is from New York. Yes. He used to cover the Predators for the Tennessean. Yes. But I don't think Vingan is from Tennessee. I'll, I'll have to look nobody it up. Nobody in the States is actually from where they're... They, yeah, they nobody's live. actually from their home state sure. uh, or lives in the, their home state, right? That's true. They they move around a lot. Drew uh, would know. He grew up in Kentucky, so... It's true. I did grow up in Kentucky. It's Good old bluegrass Mindell. That's me. We'll come back with more Illegal Curve Hockey after these commercial messages. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club. Bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Jon Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whitened my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. Big thanks to Jason Bell for joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. And Marty Bird. And Marty Bird, of course. You can't have Jason without Marty. Is the Ozarks done? Is that series done? I forget. I watched it. I should know that. That series is done. Yeah, that was a great series. Great finish. Very good series. Yeah, good, 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 good show. Good show. I agree with that one. Lots of good shows coming up. Uh, You know, that's a big month for TV. If you're a Succession fan, I haven't watched Succession. What is that? HBO. 
HBO. Good yeah, show. I've never watched it, but I've, I've heard good things. Yeah, very good. Yellow I watch, uh, what's that? Uh, White Lotus. I want to watch White that. White Lotus, well. also a very yeah. good show. Season two, more than season one. Right. Uh, Yellow Jackets, that's also coming up this month. Never heard of it. What's that about? It's about yellow. wasps, I'm assuming? No, it's not. It's about a... It's a group uh, of people that wear yellow jackets, and they just travel <laughs> around. Are they called uh, patrols? <laughs> <laughs> It's about a, a soccer, a, a girls high school soccer team that crash their plane crashes uh, in the that sounds, in, that sounds uplifting. Did, did Drew. Drew say earlier that he loves yeah, like Drew. that make him yeah. happy. Yeah, it's a good show. It's not an it's not a downer of a show. It's a pretty it's a well done show. It doesn't make me feel bad about myself. Uh, so I do that's our job. That's what we do. Drew. That's right. You guys. Make that's why Dave and I are here. That's right. Uh, it was funny. I was watching Ted Lasso, the first uh, episode of the last season last night, and uh, you know who's a, I texted both of you guys this. A big sponsor of Ted Lasso, as you see on the show, is our friends at Betway, the official title right. sponsor of the Illegal Curve post game show. So it's nice to see that Betway is putting their financial clout behind two juggernauts, uh, Ted Lasso and, of course, Illegal Curve. So uh, I had a good uh, chuckle. I haven't watched that. that show. You've been telling me, both of us, Dave and I, to yeah, watch I that watch show it. for a while. Um, Again, I, that is I guess the... I don't have as much time as you do, Drew. Like, you have all this time to watch all this TV. Like, I'm working 24-7, baby. Uh, I'm sure that's exactly <laughs> what you're doing there, big boy. I mean, as you were... As you were uh, I don't sleep. I'm like Rod Peeler. I don't sleep. Why, as you were, how was wrestling on Wednesday? Did you bring your own keeper, oh, yeah. or did they have to hand out... No, no, it was so funny. I mean, you know, we're all proudly Jewish, right? So uh, we were, it was Huss and I. Got to give a shout out to Kay <laughs> Balzi, the... who works for True North, but also we had yeah. Remus. Uh, we had the Winnipeg Sports Talk team, and of course, our good friend Benji Rothman, who yes. performs at Rumors. So you can catch Benji Rothman at Rumors. Um, yes. And he brought some keepas. So we put some keepas on during MJF's bar mitzvah, re bar mitzvah. Yeah. Um, it was a ton of fun. You know what? I got to say, like, I saw Chris... on Twitter, uh, Dave will, pre uh, will appreciate this, that before the the rebar mitzvah which of course is just a, it was a wrestling segment yeah he actually fun. he actually put on tefillin uh backstage i don't know if you saw yeah. that came across your he twitter feed, well it was also funny because he had four very good looking women come out with him uh well the best just, part just too. just like uh just reminiscent of all of our bar mitzvahs undoubtedly yeah i didn't have a bar mitzvah I but know. uh you know i was, I, I, was humoring. I, I feel like the last 14 years has been my, my bar mitzvah on this show right and uh <laughs> but no i i mean i think that uh maybe 13 Oh, it's been 14. Oh, yeah, that's funny. You're right. <laughs> well, the funniest thing is when I was 13, my dad said, today you're a man. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty, it was, it was pretty funny. Uh, you know, it's just so much fun. It was a four-hour show, but I gotta say though, I mean, like wrestling fans in Winnipeg, the history of wrestling in Winnipeg goes back like decades with Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega and, and Don Callis, who went to my alma mater, Kelvin High School. I took a I, mean, I took a poli sci class with him back in the day at U of M. No, like he was teaching it. No, he was the, he was a student in the class. We were in the same kidding. class. Yeah, he's he's uh, he, he's a he's a character. He snubbed me at Seven Eleven. Actually, I was I don't know if I've mentioned this on air, but I was with Ruben and Ariella at Seven Eleven on Corden here, very close to my house. Yeah. And Don Callis was getting something. I don't know what he was getting. Um, and he, you know, I could see that his phone, like his little earpiece, was in. But I thought, you know, I got to tell him I love Don Callis, love AEW. And I went up to him and said, just want to tell you. And then he goes, he points, he looks behind and points that he was on the phone. Um, I'm just, I'm just glad that he didn't, you know, give me a stone cold stunner or something hey, like that. Hang on, I got That doesn't strike me as a snub. Dave. Yeah, I would say it's not a snub. Like, I mean, he's, he's on no, the phone. Was, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's busy as. He's busy. I just thought, you know, I'm ICSEG from a legal curve. You're Don Callis from AEW. I just thought, cool. you know, we should meet each other. Yeah. Well, no the funny part is, I have no idea who that is. I've, but I have no. Well, he was the, he was the natural. He was also. Oh, what was oh it? okay. Was he Cyrus? No, he was he was Cyrus. I think he was called in the, Cyrus in WWF. 
no, I thought he was called the Jackal in in WWE. He was the Jackal, but also I think Cyrus. I thought uh, I thought Cyrus in ECW maybe. It's possible, know. but now he's just Don Callis. That's his real name, I think. Uh, but I think he lives close to us here in River Heights. But anyways, it was a lot of fun, Drew. It was just a, a great event. But let's Spence, get back. Spencey's saying it's the Jackal. Thank you. Spencey knows. There's no question about it. Anyways, I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, I thought it was very funny that you were all wearing kippahs during the rebar mitzvah. I thought that was uh, that was very cool. It was Rabbi Alltime, by the way. Who was, who was doing this? His son. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know, I, someone said, hold on, someone hold on said Spencey. I, I mean, Spencey is right. He was the jackal. He was the natural going back to the Joe Aiello uh, independent Winnipeg wrestling days. Yeah. It was known as Cyrus the virus. Yeah, he also, Spencey also said Cyrus the virus. And by the way, T. Conopoli believes it was kind of a snub. There was no call. <laughs> but as he but as he drew does the same thing so i mean like come on it's true i mean every time i every time murad waves at me i, I got i got an earpiece in and I'm, <laughs> that was I'm, I'm that was maybe the best thing ever murad calling you out for snubbing oh, yeah. him in crescentwood i don't know if that's going to ever be topped well I, I what can i tell you I, I it was unintentional first and foremost is, is what matters most look the question back to the jets because you know despite uh our, our frequent uh diversions we are a hockey show allegedly let me ask you this: Like, how do the Jets get Kyle Connor going? How do oh, the Jets? Goal. Oh, thank you, Dave. I know I, I'm aware of what they segment need. over. Yeah, good, good, good talk. You know, wh- when you know, we're not used to Kyle Connor going through these goal scoring slumps yeah, because yeah. it's been a couple of them this year. You remember how long yeah, the beginning of the year was? Yeah, a good we, talk, we talked goal. about that. We talked yeah. about that on the post game show. Yeah. yeah, right. So I mean, you know, two goals in his last 14 games. The chances have been there. Yep. It's not for a lack of opportunity necessarily. Is it a matter of just you 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 just keep firing? He's just got to keep yeah. you know well, doing that. Yeah, that. But like, sorry, Dave. I'll just quickly say, like, you know, Connor has been. It, it, it's possible to play well and not get goals. Like we talked right. about it. Connor had like remember the the power play chance. You know, um, I don't. I forget if it was the first period or second period, Dave, when Shifley mm-hmm. fed Connor in the middle, right in the slot, and he had a yeah. perfect. Like it was, it was vintage. You know, release from Connor, and Jeremy Swayman just stopped it, right? Like was Swayman was in perfect. Yeah, second period. There you go. So I mean, he's getting the grade A chances. Like he, it's not like he's getting all of his chances from the perimeter. I mean, we know that Connor's got the speed. He can drive a line. I think Shifley, Connor, and Niederreiter since you know it's only been a game since they were benched but i think you know they played well against boston so i don't i don't think it's like a question of usage you know he's going to be out there in the first power play so i think it it, he's going to be fine it's 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 almost bordering on absurd that he's not scoring more it really is because he's getting like what is he five or six shots it seems like every game right boys yeah maybe not so much against carolina because he was benched dave but i think connor will be fine wouldn't be surprised if he scores a goal or two this afternoon well, and I and I, as the only thing I was going to say is, I mean, think about it, Drew. You just said he had two goals in his, in his last fourteen games. What do you yeah. have in the first fourteen? Two goals. Two goals. Like yeah. He didn't get he two goals. five on five for the longest time. Right. He had that empty netter and a power play goal. Right. right. So I mean, you've got Kyle Connor in a similar. And so what happened after that? Well, he went on a bit of a run, and then we thought, oh, Kyle Connor could score forty somehow, even though he had started off so so slowly. And he's getting the chances, and that's what you want to see. As he's right, like you want to see that he's getting those opportunities, and he is. You know, you're getting Kyle Connor getting stopped on a breakaway. It doesn't happen very much, but at least he's getting the breakaway chance. At least he's getting the chance. I mean, look, when as he's right, that chance is the one that stands out. When he's set up like that, I mean, nine times out of ten, maybe nine and a half, he scores that goal. So it's just not going in for him. He's not getting the puck luck, but he's getting the chances. He's in the right spot. And I think primarily when you're not having success scoring, the one thing you can't be doing is a hindrance to your team defensively. And we know that the best times Kyle Connor isn't a defensive specialist a defensive juggernaut. So what he has to do is he has to make sure he's not flying the zone the way he did 
in Carolina. He's got to make sure he's not taking penalties that are seeing him go in the box. I mean, he's just got to play a smarter brand of hockey. But I do think that he is, as he's right, you could very easily see Kyle Connor get three in in the next two games uh, this weekend and, and kind of propel this Jets team forward. Because if this Jets team is going to move forward, because look, you already said it, Drew, like Mark Shively has six goals in his last 12 games. Like he can't do it all himself. There's got, it's a team game. Hockey is a lot different than basketball. Can't have one guy take it over every single game. You've got to have a supportive cast. And this supporting cast, Kyle Connor's got to score. Nikolai Ehlers has to score. Blake Wheeler wants to play the minutes, then Blake Wheeler has to score. Yeah. I mean, Blake Wheeler, I think, had the most power play time of any player in the entire game last against Boston. So, and again, that's I don't, I don't agree with it, but that's just the reality of the situation. So if you're going to, you're not going to put it just on Kyle Connor. You need Kyle Connor right. to and, score. And I was going to say, Dave, remember the game against Florida with the, you know, it was, uh, what was that, a 5-4 game? I mean, yeah. Connor had three assists. Overtime. Before that, he had six. I just went back and checked. Honestly, it seemed like he had like 10, 12 shots against Boston. He had mm -hmm. six, but then you go to the game before against the Panthers, he didn't score, but against the Wild, he had six shots. So, yes, yeah, shot volume is one part of it. But when you're talking about that shifley connor Nemesnikov line, I mean, the big key is, for me, a, a, like the Shifley line is going to have to be good. But if Dubois isn't there... I don't know how much you can expect because right now, I mean, Ehlers, you want him to score, but that line with Nemestikov and Wheeler just to me isn't a very good line. Like it just hasn't been working out. I'm not saying they've been terrible, um, but obviously, you know, Ehlers would would be, uh, you know, better suited to be playing with Pierre-Luc Dubois. They've had a lot of success over the years, right? But to me, that line, you hear a lot about straight lines and east to west. Like that's what I would like to see out of this line. Like quicker decisions. You have shooters. Connor can distribute the puck as well. I think you just want to have quicker decisions, like gain the zone, get a shot, get a rebound, mm -hmm. right? Like this is a line that that feeds off of scoring off of the transition, but it's also a, a line that can that can create down low, right? Well, like so, you got that's what I would like to see. Like, like get, let let's see like shot like a couple passes, shot, get the rebound, go to the net. Like this is a line that is too good to be struggling and not scoring this many goals. Like we know Niederreiter can put the puck in the net. We know Shifley can put the puck in the net. We, we, we just documented Connor has had some streaks, but he's still, what does he have? 28 goals or something like that this year. Right. So he can, he'll, he'll get it going. The only thing I was going to say, Drew quickly is, yeah, you know, ahead. what, what did, what did work at the beginning of the year? What line was the best Jets line by far? Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers. And they never went back to it. And, he, and it's like, again, like I understand, like it's funny because we said, remember what we talked about when they broke the lineup? Yep. We said, well, that's fine because you want to see what you have in other configurations, but your muscle memory is there. You know that that line has been dominant at times. You know that line has been successful. You know that line can score goals. Well, then why in a situation right now mm -hmm. where you are desperate for your team to have success, are you not going back? It's not as if the coaching staff doesn't go, hmm, things that make you go, hmm. You know that you had success with Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. If Pierre-Luc Dubois is good to go, why are you not putting the three of them together and then reuniting? I don't care. You can have Shifley, Niederreiter, and Wheeler if you need. Right. You know, like, who cares? Inter flip Wheeler and Ehlers. Get Ehlers there. Mm -hmm. And again, that line for you scored a lot of goals. So to me, it doesn't make any sense. And Wheeler and Shifley like playing together. Mm -hmm. And if you had a player like Niederreiter, that's I I just think that compliments them. So I actually don't understand these line configurations. And we're not the coach. That's what I said a week ago, right, Dave? Like I said, Shifley, Ehlers, Niederreiter should be the line, yeah. especially in the absence of, of Dubois. But boy, it goes back to our conversation you're, you're, with Jay Bell. They, like if there was a perfect game to come back into the lineup for Dubois. And again, I, I, I don't want to overhype this, but... If he can't go today, maybe he goes tomorrow night against St. Louis. But well, man, if he do doesn't they, go I today, really I don't see him going tomorrow. 
it's possible. If he doesn't go today, I don't see him going tomorrow. I just don't know what what would tri- what would change. I mean, yes, it would be I guess another twenty four yeah. hours of recovery, sure. but I think it's it, it's it's either it's either both or or neither yeah. would be my oh, guess. Point. Yeah. But you're right, Dave. Uh, you know, I I don't know why they haven't gone back to that line because that line was very effective, and, and and you know the play was in the op uh, the opposition end when that line was together, yeah. and. For whatever reason, once they broke them up, and I thought it was curious, and we all thought it was curious when they broke them up, but we were willing to give you know Rick Bonus and the coaching staff the benefit of the doubt because things were going so well for the team at that point. But you haven't seen them back together since then. And for the life of me, I do not understand why, because you need it was a line that was dominating the opposition. It was doing everything. You yep. remember the number of games where they were cycling the opponent to death. They were mm-hmm. beating them up below the net. Yep. They were getting the puck, and you know they were having extended zone time over and over again. Yet for whatever reason, you haven't seen them back together. I don't know if it's stubbornness. I don't know, you know, you know. I don't know why. That would be a great question. Is is the why behind it? Because to me, especially for a team that's struggling offensively and has for large stretches of the season, that was a line that gave you a fair bit of offense. Well, sure. I just quickly, I, Kay Thor had a good point. He just said, well, you know, the problem wasn't that that line was producing. It was that the other lines weren't. And that, you know, maybe you had to get a little bit of distribution amongst the others because Shifley, Wheeler, and Perfetti weren't working. But, I mean, like, Nito Niederreiter is a guy who is, look, Cole Perfetti has the potential. Nito Niederreiter is already there. And so, you know, Nito Niederreiter, I think, again, with Shifley and Wheeler, especially considering Shifley's still producing right now, I think he could be just what this line needs, get someone in front of the net, get those greasy goals. And so, to me, that would change the the, the look. And I, I'm just thinking you need so these guys. Look- if, if PLD's not ready to go, or regardless, you're saying they'll get Ehlers and Connor as a pair back together. Yeah, and I well, and I think that Pierre Luc Dubois was kind of the catalyst. I think all three of those guys, as he and you need those you, two of those guys are guys that we've been talking about throughout the course of this broadcast that you need to be producing. You know, so Blake Wheeler like is a distri- distributor. We're not you're not saying you need you know 10, 15 goals from Blake Wheeler, but you are saying you need goals from Nikolai Ehlers. You are saying you need goals from Kyle Connor. And like I said, your best test, your best run of success to me was when you had those guys. And well, you know, you're, you're, no, the, numbers, the numbers back that up. So here's yeah. the numbers. You want to talk about the numbers? So this is at five on five. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kyle Connor, and Nikolai Ehlers played 25 games together. They right. played uh, just under 100 minutes together at five on five. They yeah, had some a good course- sample size. What's that? Got some good sample size. Yeah, you, you have a sample size there. You know, it's it's not a, the, the world's largest sample size, but it's decent enough to know, you know, five on five at 100 minutes, that's usually what, you know, five, six, seven games worth of, of time, give or take. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corsi four percentage, 64%. So they, they're possessing the puck tremendously. Uh, goals four percentage uh, of, of 64% and an expected goals four percentage of 63%. These are sizable numbers right i mean these aren't small and those are available to the jets coaching staff like it's not like they don't this is natural stat trick it's not like i'm you know the the jets have their own advanced stats team right like so i mean they have even more uh you know descriptive numbers if you want to call it that or you know even more different types of statistics so i i think you know it's it's incumbent upon the coaching staff and also the players in the top six to to produce right because lowry appleton and baron i think they we would all agree They've elevated their game as of late, right? Like they're starting to put the puck in the the net a little bit more. We know that those guys will go out there on the PK and everything like that. But the goal scoring has to come 
from the veterans on this team, right? Nino Niederreiter has done his job since arriving. Vladislav Nemestikov has done his job. And I, I do think that, you know, Connor and Shifley and Ehlers have started to play better. Um, but if there's any opportunity, if there, there, if there was any other situation, you know, to produce goals, then, you know, this weekend, I mean, I, I, I don't see it existing. Like this is crunch time. This is the definition of crunch time. Well, they got to win these games, period. I don't know how many quickly, times I'm going to say it today. And, you know, as he just to piggyback off of what you just said quickly, and, and it was the point already made. Like Adam Lowry said, the time for Hall of Victories is over. Yeah. You know, we've been talking about, like, we're not pillaring the Jets for not playing games well of late. They have been playing well. You know, the last, I'd say, six, seven games, since that last, that Oilers game on the Saturday night that they won here, that kind of old-school firewagon hockey game, the Jets have been playing better hockey. So we're not saying the Jets haven't been playing better. But the problem is they're not winning enough games right. to secure themselves a playoff spot. So ultimately, you know, it's not successful when you're not having success, even if you are doing things the right way, that's all well and good. And you're not, you obviously don't want to see the team, team break its structure, but they have to get, they have to get to that next level because right now it's not good enough. You need Connor Hallibuck to play elite. Like that's what he has to be. You can't have any quick goals today. Like a, a quick goal is an absolute backbreaker, but you need, and you need the jets to produce. And so to me, like I said, that, that seems to be an easy one, Drew, because we know they've had success. Well, that's playing the, together. That's the part that I don't understand. Look, you're a team that's struggling for offense, and maybe you don't want to load up uh, that top line because you were worried about, you know, having a line with, uh, you know, uh, I guess who would have been Wheeler, Dubois. Uh, no, I guess it would have been Wheeler, Shifley, and Perfetti. You didn't like what yeah. that line was doing. Fine. So maybe you don't necessarily start the game with with uh, Dubois, Ehlers, and, and Connor together. But when you're struggling, and when you got the line blender out, and when you need a goal especially yeah. late in the game, why isn't that your first line over the boards? Because the numbers bear it out about how successful it is. And I know that people in the analytics community, and I believe this as well, would say that every line is improved with Nikolai Ehlers on it. And I would agree with that, but doesn't that speak? He's a play driver. He's absolutely right? a play doesn't driver. Doesn't that speak to the need to give him more ice time? Yes. It's just like everything about this is sort of counterintuitive that you have a guy who, who who's performance leads to offense regardless of who he's playing with yeah, or regardless a, of, if, of if, if it's even strength or power play right, right. Like he I'm does the same thing five on five yeah, right there's now, no doubt that Ehlers is a key player for these next two games coming up and his usage should reflect that that's right and and, and then when you need a goal if you're at the point where you need a goal it should be Dubois Ehlers and Connor those are the guys who should be uh, the, the the guys you're tapping on the back to say, go get me a goal. And if you're not tapping those guys on the back, I can't help but wonder if it's politics or some other reason why those aren't the guys you're relying on. You need When you need to absolutely positively get a goal, get the guys on the ice who are going to be your greatest play drivers and, and goal scorers. And I know you can only have three forwards on the ice at a time. I mean, obviously there's exceptions to that, but you might as well uh, figure that out. Let's head to break. When we come back, Adam Vingen is going to join us for more on today's opponent, the Nashville Predators. You're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel unexpectedly dropped off. He's muted. Switch. Yeah, I saw. I thought you hit the kill switch, so I was like, all right, we've got the Drew Mandel experience is no longer. It's the Dave Manuk Show, but uh, then I saw you quickly. I, was, I jumped on Drew because I was like, oh, boy. Yeah. And then uh, you were back. What were you doing, Drew? Getting a snack? 
No, I hit the wrong button on, on hit the my kill mouse. Switch, I hit the kill switch on my mouse like usual. I still have to replace that mouse, but that's something I'll do uh, before uh, today's post-game show. But we're pleased to welcome to the program <laughs> our good friend, Adam Vingan. Adam has covered the Nashville Predators for many years. You know his work from Sportsnet as well. Adam, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. How are things? Good. How are you? We're doing great. We're good. It's good to see you, Adam. It's been way too long. Yes, it has been a long time. Yes, obviously, Adam, we brought you on to talk about, uh, you know, today's huge matchup between uh, the Winnipeg Jets and the Nashville Predators uh, playoff implications, undoubtedly, as the Predators uh, look to continue their unexpected push to uh, potentially a playoff spot in the Western Conference. You know, knowing what you know of this team and knowing what you know of this franchise, having covered them for so many years, are, are you surprised that after they waved the white flag or the proverbial white flag, after they made so many uh, trades at the deadline or leading up to it, that they're still fighting the way they are to, to be a playoff team in the Western Conference? In, in, in the sense of how proud players are, no, I'm not surprised because we as, as pundits and reporters can say this team should just pack it in, but nobody in a, in a dressing room is going to feel that way. Even Matt Duchesne, I saw, said something to that effect the other day. He said it could have been easy for them to just put their hands up, said, hey, it's not our year, play out the string, enjoy our summer. But that's not what they wanted to do. Um, and, and when you consider the caliber of players that they've been uh, that they've been missing over the past several games, of course, they traded Nino Niederreiter first to the Jets, then they traded Tanner Genot to the Lightning, Matthias Ekholm to the Oilers, Mikhail Granlund to the Penguins. They've also been without Philip Forsberg for the past several games because of an injury, and Ryan Johansson suffered uh, a season-ending injury, assuming the Predators don't make the playoffs and go on a run, of course. Um, so they've been down several key players and have continued to play well. Now, of course, when you have a goaltender as good as UC Soros, as the Predators have shown over the past couple of years, you know, that, that changes everything. The Jets know that full well with Connor Hellebuck as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I really – I am, you know, from afar, I, I have been shocked. Uh, I think a lot of fans here, especially with all the changes, we haven't even talked about the biggest one, the decision of David Poyle to announce his retirement at the end of the, at the, end of the league year and have Barry Trotz take over as the second GM in Predators history – all of those moves, those trades, plus the retirement of David Poyle, really changed the outlook of the team from the fan base's perspective. Before all of this went down, I really do think that the, the fan base was bordering on apathetic, which is the worst thing you could possibly be as a fan base if you are a professional sports or even collegiate sports entity. Uh, fans just felt like this team had no clear direction. They were trying to fool themselves into thinking they were a contender when they weren't. And to, to see all of these moves get made, the decision of David Poyle to retire, which honestly, you know, I, I made a, a somewhat flippant remark in a, a little story I wrote about it in Sportsnet uh, upon the, the decision of David Poyle to retire, that it was the most universally praised move he's made in a while, was his decision <laughs> uh, to retire, just because... You know, since since those ep that epic second round playoff series between the Predators and the Jets in 2018, mm -hmm. this team has not won a playoff series. Same as it's been similar with the Jets, with the exception of the bubble year where right. they beat the Oilers. Predators didn't even win a bubble series. They lost to Arizona in the qualifying round right. in, in, in 2023 games to one. So, um, 
when, you know, it, it just feels like from a fan base perspective, it feels like the Predators are playing with house money. Like if they make the playoffs, that's great. If they don't, that's sort of the plan, right? Is for them to take a step back. So I, I do, I do wonder if the the you know the trade deadline released the, the expectations, the burden of expectations off of this dressing room. They know as well that you know for their general manager to make those decisions means that they that it's probably not in the cards for them this season and maybe because they're not have you know having that pressure maybe it's led to this uh this run they're on i believe they're 8 3 and 1 in their past 12 games and then they've caught up to the jets who i know are are are, are scuffling right now so yeah this is i heard what rick bonus said yesterday this is as close to a playoff game as you're going to get in the regular season i know that you know, coaches, players will say it's a every game is a playoff game at this point, and sometimes it's just slip service. This really does feel like a legitimate playoff game, considering where the Predators are, the Jets are, and, and where they are in the standings. You know, Adam, just going back to what you said a few minutes ago that Barry Trotz is only the second GM in franchise history is actually crazy if you think about it, considering the Preds came into the league in what was it, 98 or, or, or 99, 90, right? Like, I've been like 97, 98 or 97. Yeah. Like it's just crazy. One of those and, right. And obviously like there's a, there's a, a few Manitoba connections to that announcement, right? Because all we were like, we had the Winnipeg sports talk guys offering free beer to Barry Trotz to come coach the jets. Right. And then obviously, you know, David Poyle made that announcement literally the day after he traded Nino Niederreiter um, for the draft pick. Right. Which I think you would agree the re- the return was, was underwhelming for that. But you definitely cannot say the same thing about the return for uh, Tanner Janot or, or Matthias Ekholm because I think you would agree, and, and most hockey observers would agree that you know he got a good haul for those guys, right? But I wanted to ask you about how quickly you think the Predators are going to be able to turn this around, right? Because we've talked about this, right? Like you know the 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 tired you know rebuild and and all this stuff. Like I know that I'm not super familiar with the the prospect pipeline, but I obviously you know like a guy like Philip Tomasino is a good player. Uh, uh, Yaroslav Askarov, I mean he he's a really highly touted goaltending prospect. You've got Joaquin Camel. I think he was 17th overall in the 2022 draft. But like how how quickly can they turn this around? Like is this a two year rebuild? Do you think or or is this going to be some lean years for Preds fans? Yeah, it's a good question because. Before the deadline, if you would have told me that the Predators were going to be able to trade Matthias Ekholm and Mikhail Granlund, I would have, I probably would have disagreed with you just because players with such significant term on their deals don't normally get moved at the deadline. But the Predators did a really good job. You mentioned, you know, the, the reaction to the Niederreiter trade, specifically in Nashville. A lot of fans were underwhelmed by the return. Uh, you know, look. Nino Niederreiter played his role. He he was a top six forward for the Predators. He he was productive. He was on a hot streak right before the trade. And get to get a second round pick of a guy you signed to a two year deal for four total million dollars in late in free agency. I mean, I don't think that's a terrible sure turn. But then they get a second round pick for getting out of Mikhail Granlin's contract, which was highway robbery. Sure. And then they and then they you know they got five draft picks and and multiple assets for Matias Ekholm. So it turned out okay. And, and the Predators now have a lot of draft picks at their disposal over the next few years, especially this year, you know, with the draft that they are hosting. I believe they have maybe three second-round picks and three third-round picks. I don't know the exact total. but Better they have- than the Jets, Adam. They have zero. <laughs> <laughs> they've, got a, they've got a lot of, of draft capital, which is good. Um, 
And you mentioned some of the younger players who I think have played a part in this uh, in this resurgence, so to speak, because I I just feel like that youthful exuberance, you know, these young players trying to, to play for jobs it ha- has really helped. You mentioned Philip Tomasino. Tommy Novak ha- has been really good. I think I just counted. He has 18 points in his past 14 games, nine goals, nine assists. Um, Luke Evangelista, who was a second round pick a couple of years ago, has debuted and, and played a few games in the top six. Igor Afanasiev, who, who was sent back down to the AHL, made his NHL debut a, a few games ago. He was also a second round pick. Um, you know, you mentioned Askarov, who had a spot start earlier this season for the Predators in Montreal. He's playing really well in the AHL. So there, there are a lot of a lot of prospects, particularly at forward, who who could be who could be something for the Predators. But you know, it will be interesting to see how long this takes because I, I don't think this is a a team that's going. You know, I, I think this is a, a process that may take a couple of years before they're back to being contenders. Now, could they make the playoffs in that time? Sure, like they could make the playoffs this year for all I know. But are they going to win in the playoffs? Probably not. So, I mean, I do think, as I mentioned earlier, I think Predators fans can accept that. I think Predators fans were tired of just making the playoffs and getting their butts kicked every year, um, as they have been since losing to the Jets in 2018. Um, I, I think I think Predators fans at this point can accept a couple of years without playoff success if it means getting back to where they were in 2016, 2017, 2018. Adam Vingan is our guest. Adam has covered the Nashville Predators for years. You can also read his work at sportsnet.ca. Well, Adam, if anybody uh, follows the Milwaukee Admirals, you, we, we got a chance to watch them 17 times last year, <laughs> play against the Manitoba Moose 12 in the regular season, <laughs> and then five more times in the playoffs. But, you know, you were talking about augmentation, and there I, I looked on Cap Friendly, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, three third-round picks, three th- fourth-round picks, and two fifth-round picks for Nashville with the draft in Nashville. So they're they're going to have a lot of fun making some selections and augmenting that group. But, you know, I want to talk you, – you talked about the, the fan reaction to David Poyle's retirement and, and that, and it's it's crazy to, to think of his longevity in a business that generally doesn't allow for longevity, although Jets fans know about that here with Kevin Sheveldayoff being the only GM. Mm-hmm. But what has been the reaction to Barry Trotz, the Dolphin Manitoba product that, of course, is beloved in Nashville – and now going to become the the second GM. What has been fan reaction to his uh, acceptance of that role? Yeah, I, well, I think first of all, Predators fans love Barry Trotz. It's it's not hard to love Barry Trotz, regardless of, of who you are. If you've ever spent time with him, he, he's a he's a wonderful man. Um, cares deeply about people, which I think will work well in a, in a GM in a GM role. Um, I know there was plenty of rumors circulating after he was let go by the Islanders that he would want to enter management. Um, as you said, you know, flirted with some coaching jobs, ultimately decided not to do it. Um, you know, the one thing it's interesting because when you think about fresh blood in the front office, Barry Trotz is absolutely not fresh blood in the predators <laughs> office, in front office in the sense that he was their first coach for 15 years. But I think the the good thing is that Barry has spent the past near decade elsewhere, you know, coaching in Washington, winning the Stanley cup, coaching in New York, working with Lou Lamorello. He's got, he's had those out at those um, outside experiences, so to speak. So he doesn't really feel, it doesn't really feel like a, it, it doesn't, it feels more like a fresh voice than you would think when it's Barry Trotz coming back in. So 
Um, you know, I think Predators fans are, are thrilled to have him back in the organization. And I think he's, it sounds like he's thrilled as well. I think the fact that he's Barry Trotz is going to buy him some time. You know, if there's some growing pains and learning how to be a general manager, I think the fact that he is, you know, an icon in Nashville will, will let fans, you know, maybe give him, cut him some slack in the early going. Now, of course, you know, it depends on how long he's here and how the team goes. That might change. Um, you know, David Poyle can speak to that. You know, David Poyle, you know, could do no wrong five, six years ago. Every move he seemed to make worked. He was the general manager of the year, I believe, in 2017. And and since then, almost every move he seemed to make before this recent deadline has backfired, every major move, whether it was trading for Ryan Hartman, um, what, you know, trading for Kyle Turris, you know, uh, <laughs> there, the list goes on. Um, it just hasn't been, you know, he just, you know, David had more misses than hits in the in the transaction department over the past few years. And I personally feel that he was in jeopardy of tarnishing his legacy locally. If he, if he held on for much longer, not that people would hate David Poyle, but I feel like people would remember him maybe less fondly if things weren't going well. I think that's I mean, fair. Yeah. With time, mm-hmm. it would change. And, and look, the predators, kudos to them. I, I, you know, the skeptic in me wondered about the timing of the announcement. Like why did they not wait until the end of the season to do this? The skeptic in me wondered if, hey, if they do this, it sort of changes the narrative of the of the team that takes the heat off of David Poyle, and it worked. I mean, it really did. So they they were right from a PR spec PR perspective to do that. Um, so I, I think I'll be interested to see what what you know Barry Trotz does as a general manager. I think that you know the first major decision he's going to have to make is what he's going to do with his coach. You know, most because most times GMs, new GMs who inherit old coaches, so to speak, like their own guys. But isn't that easy, Adam? He just hires himself. <laughs> that, I mean, <laughs> you would think that. You would think that. I mean, the Predators fans, I'm sure, would love that too. You know, John Hines, to his credit, has gotten a lot out of this group at this particular moment in time. You know, but the Predators are 3-11 and in playoff games under John Hines in terms of actual games. They, and as I mentioned, they have not won a playoff series with John Hines as coach. So – He's got one more year on his contract after this one. I think John is doing himself some favors with the way this team has been playing. Perhaps Barry Trotz holds on to him to at least start next season. But that will be an interesting choice because, look, if you're looking to hire a new coach and you need someone with that perspective, who better than Barry Trotz, one of the most successful coaches in the NHL? Adam, shifting focus a little bit, you know, I thought that the Carolina Hur- the Carolina Hurricanes are clearly one of the best regular season teams in the NHL. And you wrote about this for Sportsnet.ca recently. You know, I didn't think they had done enough at the trade deadline in any event to sort of cement themselves as one of the premier teams in the Eastern Conference. And then they go out and then they, you know, to no fault of their own, they lose Svechnikov for the rest of the year with that terrible knee injury. You know, what does this do for, from your perspective? I guess it's sort of a two-part question. Mm-hmm. Even with Svechnikov healthy, were the Hurricanes good enough to win the East? And now without him, what does this do to their chances? Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a huge blow just because of how important he is to their offense. And and as you mentioned, even with a, a healthy Svechnikov, mm-hmm. you know the Hurricanes in terms of their expected goal percentage or, you know, last I checked the best team in the league, but I feel like that's largely to do with how good they are defensively. Offensively, they are, you know, they are one of the, you know, weaker teams in the league in terms of actually finishing on their chances. 
and, and now you lose a, a player like Svechnikov who can do that. Now they still have a couple of players who, who can score. You know, I think of Sebastian Ajo, I think of Martin, Marty Natchez, but you know, it's not just Svechnikov that they lost. They also lost, they've also lost Max Pacioretty who played five games for them. So right. th- those are two proven scorers down the drain, so to speak. Um, and, and as you said, they, they, you know, the only move they made at the deadline of significance was acquiring Jesse Pugliarvi from the Oilers, but mm-hmm. Pugliarvi sort of fits the mold of most Hurricanes players. Great play driver, not a good scorer. Right. No finish. So, it, so it's just not, you know, you know, it, you know, they were in on Timo Meyer. That would have helped tremendously. Mm-hmm. It also doesn't help that he's now playing for the team that's right behind them in the standings in the Metropolitan Division. Um, I, I mean, they are good enough defensively, I think, to to make a little noise. Like they've got a great team defense. They've got a great defense in terms of its core. You know, Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci, Brent Burns, uh, Brady Shea. They've got a great defense and they've got good goaltending. So, you know, can they win a series or two? Yeah, I think so. But it, it definitely diminishes their chances of actually winning the Stanley Cup big time. And two of those defensemen scored against the Jets on, on Tuesday night, Slavin and, and Shea. So Jets fans watching right now and listening on the podcast are, are very familiar with how good. And I, I thought that that article, as all your articles are, was excellently written because you mentioned that it's the Hurricanes defense that is, that is that causes other teams. And, and I agree with Drew that they probably should have done more at the mm-hmm. de- deadline. Like, yes, you pull your RV. Okay, nice little acquisition. But now with Svechnikov out, now that's really when, you know, adding an impact forward could have really helped out, but I still think the Hurricanes are a tough out in the playoffs, but well, just leaving the Hurricanes there for a second, because we know they're going to make the playoffs, but just wanted to switch to the Eastern Conference playoff race, right? Because obviously we're focused on, you know, the, the Central Division, the Jets-Preds game this afternoon, but fascinated by that Eastern Conference playoff race, because I was holding out hope that the Sabres could make a run and get into that last wild card spot. Obviously, they've won two of their last 10. I think they're five points back now, but you know, you've got the, the Penguins and the Islanders holding on to those spots. And we know that they're not going to jump up and finish in third in the Atlantic or the Metro. They're The best they're going to do is a wild card spot. But what's kind of your um, summation of what's going on there? Because the Panthers are three points back. Uh, we should mention the Sabres do still have a couple games in hand on the, uh, on the Islanders. Um, but you've got the Panthers also with a couple games in hand. I mean, Ottawa is pretty much out of it, but... I mean, is it completely wide open in your opinion? Do you think that the Panthers, I mean, the Panthers have been so inconsistent, but I guess, what do you think there? Cause you got Washington still kind of kicking around, but I mean, we know that they, they were sellers at the deadline. So what do you, who do you think is going to end up getting those last two spots? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I do think the Panthers are, are, are playing their best hockey right now. Um, of course they just scored nine goals the other day. So, you know, and, and Matthew Kachuk has been, you know, as advertised, he's been great all year. You know, you know they've they've struggled in other areas, which is why they are where they are. But you know, Kachuk has has been as advertised. You know, the same can't be said about Jonathan Uberdo in Calgary. He's really struggled. Um, yeah, I look at the the Eastern Conference Wild Card right now. You know, I, I I think the Penguins are going to to sneak in here, which you know, which you know, they'll continue their longest active postseason streak in the league. I think it'll be like 16 or 17 years at this point. You know, the Islanders have been chugging along, but they've been without Barzal for for the last few weeks. And I, I just don't, I don't love their team. Um, I think the Panthers who are three points back of the Islanders with two games in hand are ultimately, ultimately going to take that spot and knock the Islanders out of the playoffs. You know, the Panthers, you know, they've got a great 
high, you know, they've got great scoring talent on their team, opposite of what we were just talking about with Carolina. You know, they've got Kachuk, Barkov, Verhage, Bennett, Duclair. Um, they've got, uh, you know, you know, even players on their back end can score. Brandon Montour, Aaron Ekblad, who I think had two goals the other night. Um, you know, I, I like the Panthers now. You know, you never know what you're going to get with Sergei Bobrovsky. He's the definition of a mystery box. You know, he can be, you know, a Vezina Trophy caliber player or like a sub-average like replacement level goaltender. Um, so if he plays well and this team scores, you know, keeps scoring, I, I think the Panthers could – sneak into the playoffs. Now, if they draw Boston, I don't think that's going to last very long, but I do think that they could, I, I my prediction is that the Panthers get bypass the Islanders and, and take that eighth spot. Adam, the team that nobody seems to be talking about are the Minnesota wild and Jets mm-hmm. fans are, uh, are it's reminiscent of a few years ago when the, they couldn't beat the Minnesota wild, but these Minnesota wild, a lot of teams can't beat them. They alongside the Los Angeles Kings are the two hottest teams in the Western conference, but you wrote about them recently, uh, on, on sportsnet.ca and what what are your impressions of Minnesota? Because it just seemed like Minnesota had started off well, then they hit that rough patch, but now they're back. And like I said, in the last 10 games, seven, zero and three. Yeah. If you go back even further, they're 11, Oh, and three in their past 14 games, which is the yeah. longest point streak in franchise history. And when real Kaprizov went down with injury against the jets, if I'm not mistaken, right. I, I feel like that was sort of like, well, that, that was fun. You know, sorry guys, better luck next year, but they're, <laughs> You know, they're 2-0 and 1 since then. I think they've scored 17 goals in those three games. Yeah. You know, they just beat the crap out of the Blues, and Mark Andre Fleury tried to beat the crap out of Jordan Bennington. Which, <laughs> you know, I know I'm supposed to be impartial here, but I, I, I would love to see someone beat up Jordan Bennington. It's guy, unanimous. It's the one thing all hockey fans seem to be able to agree upon. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure what he's doing out there. Like, it just seems like he's he's kind of being an, an idiot, to be honest with yeah. you. He's been, he's been asking for it for for a long time, you mm-hmm. know. You know, he he likes to he likes to he reminds me of like the old high school trope of like the puny kid that hangs out with the jocks who like gets all <laughs> who gets all ramped up and then when it's time to actually throw down he hides behind the football players. Like that's sort of what I feel like Jordan <laughs> Bennington is like. So, I think we all would have liked to see him, you know, especially cuz it would have been Mark Andre Fleury who's like mm-hmm. the you know, who's yeah. got a reputation for being an incredibly nice guy. He wanted to go. Um, but you know, the Wild, you know, they've hung in there. And speaking of teams that can't finish, a, a lot, you know, except for recently, of course, the Wild, you know, are a team that also relies heavily on their defense, you know, team defense. And Philip Gustafson has been a great story for them. You know, one of the better goaltenders in the league this year out of nowhere. Um, you know, they, they, they have pieces on the team that, you know, that I think are, are really are, are really intriguing you know, I, uh, you know, Matt Boldy's been good this year. Matt Zuccarello is a proven scorer. Ryan Hartman, you know, can score in bunches. Um, you know, for some reason, I was actually thinking about that uh, that game uh, after the trade deadline in 2018. We were talking about it uh, earlier yeah. in the week also. The Ryan Hartman five-point game, right? Yeah. That's a funny story about that. That's the only time in my in my uh, beat writing career that my, like, I lost my story on deadline. So like I had to rewrite the whole thing in like 15 minutes and then sprint down to the, to the locker room at what was then MTS center. And fortunately Ryan Hartman in his first game, like I'm like sweating and out of breath. I'm like, can you answer some questions? And he was very nice to to answer those questions, but yeah, he's, you know, he, he had, he can score in bunches. So, you know, the wild can, can take over first place in the central today. I think the the stars are in Calgary and depending on the outcome of that game, the, the wild play the Bruins today at home but the wild can overtake 
the Stars for first place in the Central, which would be the first time they've been in first place of the season. Adam Vingan has covered the National Predators for years. He now works for Sportsnet.ca. Good friend of the program going on for many years as well. Adam, who's your team? We were talking about this earlier. As he thought Vanderbilt for some reason. Well, no, no, but because Adam, you're not originally from Tennessee, correct? No, I am not. I, I moved here to cover the Predators. So I've right. been here for eight years now. But, but are you you're, are you are you not from out east? Some okay. I, I grew up in uh, Virginia. And okay, there you go. Then spent, uh, then went to college and, and spent time in Washington, D.C. before I moved. Okay. Okay. I knew that I, I had a pretty good idea that you weren't from Tennessee, but, and then we were like, Josh covered the, the Predators before you, and he was from New York. He lives in California. He sold out and went to California, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I knew that you weren't from Tennessee. So that's why the conversation, we weren't sure who your team is in March Madness, if you have a team. I do have a team. I, I I was born in Durham, North Carolina, so I am a okay. diehard Duke fan. Oh, right uh, so the uh, Adam, this is your last performance. This yeah. is your last is it, isn't on that the Kentucky's show. arch nemesis? Drew's wife is from Kentucky, so Drew. I, I'm blue. a huge Wildcats fan. So yeah. uh, okay. well, I mean, Duke we'll and Kentucky have had plenty of battles over the years. Yes. Um, but you know, it's it, it's an interesting time for me today because Duke plays Tennessee yes. in in the second round of the tournament. And of course, although Tennessee is in Knoxville, which is about three and a half, four hours away from Nashville, you know, it is the State University of Tennessee. There are Tennessee fans everywhere in 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 Tennessee, including a lot here in Nashville. So, you know, I, I'm sure if, if Tennessee pulls it out today, I'll, I'll, I won't hear the end of it. Then again, if Duke wins, I'll, I'm going to be rubbing it in everybody's face. Well, so, I, as a Kentucky fan, when Duke and Tennessee play each other, I just hope that the game goes on for all eternity and neither team ever wins. <laughs> it just becomes, uh, it just becomes purgatory is basically what I'm hoping for there. But yes. Adam, in, they, in they that, call I, Drew Cocaine Bear in Kentucky, by the that's way. That's true. Uh, that, mm. uh, but I do believe that uh, Duke wins that running away tonight. So, in any event, there you go. go I was betting with my hey with my head and not my heart i would say uh, duke wins that running away adam thank you for this we always appreciate you joining us great Here's insight adam. into the predators and everything going on in the nhl world hey thanks guys appreciate it there he goes adam vingan joining us this morning on the illegal curve hockey show of course march madden is going to get underway in about 10 minutes time but it's a madness full weekend of jets coverage we have this illegal curve hockey segue. nobody segues like drew right dave on a segue yeah, there you go. Yes, you never Anybody see that. those podcasting from like, a Segway. Yeah, I feel like those you don't see those around. I mean, obviously, we live in Winterpeg, so you don't see a lot of Segways, uh, yeah. you know, from November to March. But I'm just talking about like anywhere, like when you no, a lot of a lot of the American there. cities they have them now. You can just kind of rent them. Yeah, put a little visa in, you get a. Yeah. Well, I won't. I won't be getting on a Segway. I feel like I, that's just an accident I, waiting to happen. Yeah, I, I can just see that ending in an absolute disaster for both the Segway and for you. I as stick as to Betway, Dave. There you there go. You go. Yeah, so this is exactly. Avoid segue, stick with Bethway. Uh, Jets and Predators post game 345 this afternoon. Tomorrow, post game of the Jets and the Blues, 845. It's a six o'clock puck drop. Keep it locked to illegalcurve.com. We're gonna have all the pre-game notes, post-game notes, the pre-game notes tomorrow, the post-game notes tomorrow, illegalcurve.com will be hopping. And of course, back here on the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, it'll be a very busy weekend, a huge weekend for the Winnipeg Jets as they look to cement their playoff status. Yes, Dave, you're giving me the finger point. No, I was just kind of agreeing with you, but I mean, oh, okay. Drew, it's not just a Jets game. No, there's it's, a Moose game tonight, too. There's two Moose games this weekend. The yes. Ice are taking on Prince Albert with a chance to make some history tonight. Yep. So, I mean, there is a you the it is it is a hockey-filled weekend with us here on Illegal Curve, but also 
the Jets playing, the Moose playing, the Ice playing. I don't know if the Ice are wearing their specialty bomber jerseys tonight or those were tomorrow. sweet i want I to get know. one of those I, I was talking about it with blaine in the chat but you see those are, drew they were really yeah, nice just a nice big kid. big w yeah. yeah i'm not sure if those they're wearing them tonight or if they're gonna wear them is it tomorrow they're playing the third game i think against prince albert but anyways chance for history they can go for their 54th win and as the maven richard lapp told me in the press box the other night if they win all five of their remaining games they will tie brandon for the best ever whl record as far as i know that's what richard said some folks were fact checking me on it. I I just go by what the Maven tells oh, no, me. The Maven knows. I mean, he his he's literally he's, written the book on the yeah, WHL. He literally has written the book, and his he's got like a photographic memory. Yeah, like, I remember once he was showing us pictures of Buff when he played with the Wheat Kings. Like he uh, he's a fun guy, and yeah, I, I would not uh, dispute his factoids. Yes, yes. So anyway, so so there's a lot of hockey to enjoy, and of course, watching the prospects. Well, that's what we're doing. Rutger McGroarty, he's going there. Michigan's in the championship game. I love that clip nice. that you posted, Dave. Uh, him oh, he's cheering into the in empty the, net and everything. Yeah, in, yeah. in the empty net, and yeah. so, but but no, I mean, so you got him going up. I think Michigan's playing Minnesota tonight, and of course, Brad Lambert in Seattle, who the Winnipeg Ice are most likely going to face uh, to for WHL supremacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a goal and assist. He's up to like 15 goals. I think 15 goals and 16 assists as or something, some, yeah. some remarkable number. I mean, he's I'm sure the Winnipeg ice aren't going to be happy to be when they play them in the, cause that's what everybody's kind of expecting, right? The ice and Seattle to meet in the WHL final. Yeah. Port- 15, Portland, Portland's pretty good too. Yeah. But they beat Portland five, two last night and yeah. 15 goals, 19 assists, 34 points in 22 games for Brad Lambert at another snipe last night. So uh, you know what? That's exactly what the jets want from their 2020 first 2022, sorry, first round pick. He's uh, flying high with uh, Seattle and gaining all sorts of confidence. There you go, Dave. I'm keeping you up to speed on everything going on with hockey at the AHL, NHL, WHL level. It's all on IllegalCurve.com as well. Big thanks to Jason Bell. Big thanks to Marty Bird. Big thanks to Adam Vingen for joining us on the program this morning. If you haven't already done so, smash the like button. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us feedback on YouTube. Leave us feedback on iTunes. Leave us feedback here, there, and everywhere. We always like to hear what you have to say about these fine programs we put together for you. Big thanks to the sponsors of Illegal Curve who make the Saturday show, the post-game show, and the website a possibility. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Chris Red in town all weekend long, all shows sold out. Next week, Josh Wolf, all shows sold out. Uh, So very busy times coming up at Rumors. Our friends at Linden Market Dental Center, the Keg, Grid Park, Rolly's Transfer, always rescuing Ezzy from underneath a piano. Zapia Group Realty, Betway, the official sponsor of the Illegal Curve postgame show, and Ted Lasso. Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, and Seagram's support these fine businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in about just under five hours time for the illegal curve post game show until then we hope you have a great saturday for dave manuk for ezra ginsburg i'm your host drew mandel thanks for joining us this has been the illegal curve hockey show thanks for listening to this broadcast from illegal curve hockey for more great illegal curve content subscribe to the illegal curve youtube channel follow at illegal curve on twitter facebook and instagram and visit your online home for hockey in winnipeg illegalcurve.com